and we're live. James, you contacted me a couple of months ago, and uh, to cut a long story short, I ended up inviting you onto the podcast. You said you were keen to do it, but that you wanted to do it after, what, the Ross, is it? Yeah, yeah, so um, the Ross has come and gone now, so I, I did say like I'm flat out training at the moment. I didn't have a, most of my spare time was spent uh, training for the Ross at that point, so now that it's over and done with, here I am. And what, so, forgive me ignorance, but what exactly is the yeah, Ross? Can you lay the, it out for people? The Ross is a... It's an eight-day stage race in Ireland, so like, I guess it's Ireland's equivalent of the Tour de France, for want of a better term. It's uh, no, obviously not the same level as the Tour de France, but it's it's when I say stage race, a lot of people don't even know what that means. So a stage race is it's eight days, and your time is cumulative or cumulated every single day. So it's um, then you have whoever's the slowest time every day, it all builds up. So and then the leader wears the yellow jersey until such time as someone else gets a faster time the next day, and then he takes over. But uh, the Ross, it's it's been going on since the fifties in Ireland every year, and it's a kind of it's a unique enough race in the sense that worldwide, in the sense it has professionals and amateurs all competing against each other in the same race. So the amateur teams or professional teams will be drawn from all parts of the continent. This year they had a there was a Dutch team, German team, Belgian team, a couple of English teams, Welsh team, American team. And then you had lads like myself, uh, like county riders, as we're called. So we represent a county team. So I was in Dublin. St. Tiernan's Cycling Club was the name of our team. There'd be various teams from Dublin, Cork. Last year, Navin had a team, but they didn't have one this year. Uh, like, you know, all over the country. Yeah, so this year, I competed in it for the second time. I haven't done my first one last year. So I have two Ross under my belt now, which is more than I ever thought I'd have. I started cycling about... This is my fifth year actually racing the bicycle and... Uh, when I started off first, I said, ah, I'll just do it for a, a laugh. And then you just get into it very quickly and become pretty much obsessed with it. Like, uh, I heard you speaking to Darren. Like, I've been the same boat as Darren, uh, probably worse, to be honest, uh, but in terms of obsession levels. But, yeah, like, it's for a county rider like myself, uh, who's unfortunately too long in the two to ever be, become professional now, doing the Ross is as good as it's, like, the pinnacle for me. Obviously, like, getting a... Like every day, like it's, you have various prizes on offer every day. So you have the winner, obviously, and then you have the first county lad over the line as well. He'll get a special prize for him, and then there's a the first Mead man or Dublin the first, man. The say. first, yeah, the first lad from a from an Irish based uh, like county team, uh, like where I'd be or where Navin would be, uh, there'd be a prize for him, and there's also a jersey for him as well. But like to get up in the county prizes one of the day or to get a top ten overall would be a brilliant goal, but. Obviously, that was I was a long way off that both years, especially last year. But um, and sorry, I you said you were a bit long in the tooth. Just for people listening, what what age are you? I'm 35. Uh, like uh, to be honest, 35 is not really uh, like for, in terms of county riders, it's probably a little bit above average because there are a few young lads. But to be honest, a lot of lads seem to be around the same age as myself. Like on our team, last year we had I was probably about the middle. And this year I was the second oldest, but the youngest would have been 30. So there's five on the team. Every team would have five people. Uh, we did it with three crew members last year, and we had four this year. So it's nine people uh, on the road. And that's, it's, a, it's a brilliant week now. I, everyone always asks me, will you go again? Will you do a third one? Will you do this? Will you do that? And I would love to do a third one, but it's um, just because being involved in the Ross, like it's, even if you're not cycling, it's just a brilliant week to be involved in. Like, you know, you're going around and just stay in the hotels getting lads carrying your bags getting everyone filling your bottles for you getting massages every night you're pretty much having to live like a pro for the week 
you're surrounded by other pros and if you don't take it that seriously you may forget about it you have to go home so you have to really prepare for it and I guess that's where I came in that's uh, both years like we were him and Han will you put a team in or will you try and get a guest like you can ride for another team let's say Navin needed a spare rider and I said I'd love to do it with you guys and then but it's hard it's it's a lot easier to just do it yourself so we did a bit of fundraising we got a sponsor on board and we pretty much put the team together ourselves like from 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 scratch like we had to organize a car we had to do all that organize together budgeting you know booking hotels and like some like the pro teams obviously they'd have a manager who'd look after all that for them for ourselves that was left down to the team um and just on that like the the, the the crew the car the hotels the you know the the clothes being transported around yeah, you, the yeah. spare bikes the tire all, all that kind of jazz yeah can you lay out like on on race day so when it, it all kicks off on a Monday say so yeah. every everyone meets up where yeah so it started, walk us through it this so. this year it started in Drada on Sunday okay Sunday about three or four weeks ago on Sunday and uh, so all the teams would meet up there like um, for us like we had van. We have a van and a team car. That's our vehicles for the week. So what happens is the the manager, or the DS, as he's called in cycling, the director sportif, he drives the car for us. And then we have a mechanic as well, and he sits in the car. So that if his job during the race would be if one of us got a flat tyre, he'd have to jump out of the car and uh, just run up and change the wheel from really quick and send him on his way again. So he'd have to have two wheels ready at all times. It's just if someone... If if you saw one of the lads standing side the road after getting a puncture, he'd go run out and give it to him. He'd hand bottles out the back window as well of the car if the riders need another drink. That'd be his job. And this year, we're thankfully the lad who the lad who uh, gave us the lend of the car for the week. He said, "I want to come along. I give you the car. I'd like to come along for the week as well, just to for the experience of it." Yeah, like he's done. He's rode it three times himself, and uh, just this year, he just said he wasn't uh, didn't train enough for it, so he was he just skipped it. But he wanted to come on the week anyway, so. He uh, sat in the passenger seat for the whole week and it was great to have him because like, it's just an extra pair of hands in the evening as well if you need someone. So then the five riders set off down in the race and the cars follow. The, uh, the what, sorry? The five, the five okay. riders. The race starts in Drogheda and the first stage was Drogheda to Athlone. So and is it each team uh, departs at different times? Oh no, or? no, it's all big mass start, yeah. So it's, it's the whole lot is yeah, all ev- together. Everyone goes together, and then and f- first man over the line wins. And who who's to say which team is closest to the start line? Because presumably you're not all, you know, <laughs> every not 150 is no, in a line every like. every day. Like uh, like everyone wants to start at the front, of course, because like you have to be really aggressive to stay there. Like everyone, it's getting to the front is the easy part, but staying there because. Once you get the car starts moving off and the flag goes down and you're it takes you a second to get your foot clipped into the pedals and then before you know it's your twentieth wheel and then before you know it's your fiftieth wheel. So you have to be really aggressive. Anytime you see any sort of gap open up in front, you need to go kind of right it. into that. Because yeah, everyone wants the front wheel, so you'd have lads climbing over walls, climbing over gates, just <laughs> marching just you can see them walking up the footpath with their bikes over their head, just walking, plumping down right there in front of the car, and there's very little anyone else can do about it. Like a lad might have been waiting at the front 20 minutes before it starts just yeah, to have yeah. the front wheel and then so it's a bit of a free yeah, for all oh, it's a free for all in terms of um, yeah who gets close to the bumper because yeah, what happens is you roll out of the town let's say the second stage is that loan to Tipperary so the lead car will be there in front of you and when everyone sees the lead car getting ready like it could be 10 minutes before it starts but they'd all go over and congregate behind his car forsake their warm up just to get a good spot in the bumper right and then stay as close to that car as you can and then you drive a mile or two out the road and 
drop the flag so that the race starts then and the car drives off in front and then the racing all start everyone starts going ballistic but if you're at the back at this point you're kind of screwed because you're kind of hanging on for the day and in f- a lot of the time I do find myself at the back just because that real slow riding through the town just to get out onto the road starts and there's lads up in footpaths there's traffic there's it was just very hairy every morning so invariably like I'd start at the front but by the time the racing starts I'd be in a shit position again way at the back but um, I thought uh, if you're asking me like everyone's all, like another thing people are all saying how does it compare to last year like last year was 20 times harder than this year I thought and it's not just because I was any better I was actually physically it was probably a little bit better this year but not much but um, see for years the, uh, the Ross the crowd that organised the Ross uh, had a sponsor on Post so on it was all for the last six or seven years up until last year it was called the on post Ross so they had a load of money coming in from uh, on post every year to sponsor them and with that money they could afford to attract more foreign teams and a higher calibre of team over with, and it, pro- with prize money is that how you attract yeah, them yeah it's prize money and also like, uh, like it costs about it'll cost if you're a foreign team coming over on top of your flights and getting here it probably costs about 10 grand to like, keep 8 or 9 people on the road for 8 nights it's just like food, accommodation, Jesus, yeah, all that. So it just yeah. all it all adds up. Like you know, for like if everyone's paying thirty quid a night for for uh, for their meal, that's two hundred and forty quid for eight people every night, and then plus their accommodation. So it all adds up pretty quickly. So what the Ross would often do is either give, like, say, "Oh, come on over, yeah, we'll give you, we'll pay for your accommodation or something if you come over and do our race with us." And so when they didn't have that this year, they weren't able to attract this same caliber of rider over so it was a uh, as a result there was maybe 40 less people i think last year 195 started and this year 155 started so those 40 people were probably the pros that they couldn't afford to to, to, uh, to, entice, to, over, to entice over this year yeah and is there prize money or oh yeah there's there is there is significant prize money like i don't know what i was never it never had to concern me now prize money right, right. yeah i wasn't i wasn't getting a prize like my goal well my goal last year was just to finish it and I wanted to finish second last last year. That was my goal, uh, and I managed to finish fourth last. But like to be honest, like a lot of, I'm always saying that as if it's a bad thing. But loads of people just had to pull out of the race for various reasons. Someone every day there's a time cut. Okay, so if you like, if the winner finishes twenty percent of his time, if you finish outside that, you're you're not allowed, you're not allowed to start the next day. Like you've you've missed the time cut. Right. So so it starts with what 150 was it? Yeah, I think 155 rolled out of oh. Could have been about 130 or so, or maybe less. Okay, so 20... 25, I think. Uh, like, there's a lot of food poisoning going around in one of the stages, so a lot of teams lost two or three lads to food poisoning one Jesus. night. Yeah, I think it was either Carlo or... Well, Mitch, in a dodgy hotel. Mitch, it must have been, yeah. I didn't hear too many details. Now, I just heard, oh my God, the boys lost two riders last night to food poisoning. And then, yeah, then between <laughs> crashes, like, there's a lad from Stamullen there, uh, a savage rider, like... Uh, Keen Delaney is his name he was really going well and on the fourth stage we are only 15-20 minutes into it and he uh, like it's coming down a really fast narrow road turn a sharp left and, a, and then a bridge so a bridge always equals trouble yeah. a bridge because the road always narrows to a little bridge with like you know yourself waist high wall on either side and that just oh, lads always panic there and it, it, not saying always but invariably you'll have some sort of crash or some sort of dilemma when you're going through a bridge so the crash happened a few few rows in front of me but everyone was kind of 
going down really slowly, but just whatever way he fell, he, he broke three of his ribs, he punctured his lung, everything. Like, so he's finished for the Jesus. season now, and he was going really well. So it's disappointing, but uh, I don't, I don't know the guy personally there, but I just you see him. It's the same lads I see every single week. So it's just it's between crashes, obviously food poison. A lot of lads are sick. Uh, I, another friend from another team in Dublin fell and uh, broke a rib as well on one of the days. Another friend of mine had crashed the week before it started and he did four stages but he was struggling badly with his injury from the previous week so he had to pull out. The fifth stage we started on 5k out the road he just he's can't, he literally physically couldn't do it anymore he said so he, he had to just he had to just bail unfortunately but uh, so yeah these things happen I suppose it's racing It's everyone knows the risks involved but thankfully Thankfully, I avoided crashes both years now. To be honest, in two years, that's 16 stages, like two and a half thousand kilometres in total racing. I didn't even get a puncture in that whole time. I had no mechanicals. And one of the lads, like our, probably our best rider, second stage, he was in a great position, 30k to go, and he crashed. And hurt his knee, like he busted his knee. It didn't, he's, like it was pretty serious. He didn't do a huge amount of damage to his bike. Nothing that couldn't be replaced that night and get him going again the next day. But he was... Yeah, he was very lucky now to get away as lightly as he did. Just a busted knee. He was struggling to walk for the week, but he was once he got onto the bike and got pedaling. He was okay. He seemed to be good. But yeah, we thankfully both years now we finished with five riders, the same five starters every time. So it was uh, yeah, looking looking throughout the county teams because when you come back, it finishes in Scaries on the eighth day. Like so, start Sunday, finish the following Sunday in Scaries. And sorry, is it it's it's around is it around the coast? Or? Yeah, no, this year like it's it changes every year. So this year started went to Dublin or draw to Athlone, then Athlone down to Tipperary, and then we were in uh, Listowel and Kerry, yeah, Mitchellstown, Glengariff and Cork, then back up Carlo, Nace, through Wicklow, and then to Scarries then okay. at the end. So it was uh, it was when you get back to Scarries then all like it's a kind of presentation for every team. Every team goes up onto the stage. Gets the podium and that. Guess their medals and waves to the millions and <laughs> of adoring fans. Yeah, that are out there. Yeah, so that's a that's a it's a great moment now. But uh, we were looking up. God, I'd say only half the county teams have started to finish with their five riders, and we were one of them. So we were delighted with that. Now, so it was, uh, it's it is a good achievement because the club of our size, like we're based in around Dundrum area. Like you know, it's not we don't have a. It's not like there's a clubhouse or anything like that. So it just tends to be in that area where we. People are from people from that area. People who live in that area tend to join our club. Um, but like three years ago, we couldn't even like we were struggling to get people to turn up for any racing on Sunday. And now we've done two Rosses, so it's a huge, uh, it's a huge thing. Like for it's the, like like I said before, for county teams, it's the pinnacle to have a team in the Ross. Obviously, to get a result is would be better. But um, we're getting there. Like I say, like three three lads. Uh, the team we had last year, two of us did it again this year, and we had three new lads doing doing it, and the three of them did really well. And there's hopefully great things to come from at least two of them, because one of them is one of them is actually from Finland, and he's moving home now in about in a month, I think, and he's taking over his father's business, and so he's he's not going to do it again. Well, you never never say never, but the other two lads now are motoring well, and so you never know. Next year, if we got one or two more new lads in that were really strong we could really push for a county prize of some sort or a team prize or even get like a, a top five like a county rider would be brilliant like so we'll see we'll see Just, like it's not last year the goal was to get everyone around it this year it was everyone did a lot better but next year like I think if we were to put in next year we'd be looking for a bit more than just getting around it again like you know so we just we were building up slowly so it's uh, that's that's how yeah that's exactly yeah yeah so it's it's a uh, you can say like even 
like last year everyone oh you got we're all delighted to get around this year like someone say oh kicking yourself I fucking should have should have made that move or I should have at least tried to get up there and all that but like it's uh, it's hard to get away from that uh, mind frame where you just want to uh, just want to get around it you know but some days like two days one day in particular it was a stage from Listowel to Glengariff so I went over every single hill in Kerry and Cork and I'm not a good climber by any stretch of the imagination. They can ride really hard on flat roads, and but when it starts going uphill, I like I'm not that heavy. Like I'm 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 well above average for a Ross rider, but I'm still not. I should be a better climber than I am. I just struggle on the hill. So that day I was swinging from the start. Now I was start going uphill really quickly, and it was a grim day, but got around it anyway. So that was the main. Once you're there, the next day, yeah, yeah the, that's what the, it's all the, about. The, the, the goal was. Like if after thirty k, it became clear that Jesus, I just the goal is finishing, finishing bringing the time cut today. So we were pretty worried about it all day when we went into Glen Gareth. Then disappointed. Please, please, fucking say I made the time cut. And then, like ten minutes later, a few lads, a few other lads came in after us, and they were told that they had made it. So then I, oh, okay, I was, I was safe then. Like you know, so and just on that, like, are you in? In regular contact or constant contact with your car, yeah. Or your team yeah that, or? that day, that day, I was in contact with the car. But you see, the problem is, I was so far behind the front of the race that, like, it's the the commissar would be at the front of the race and he'd be on the radio telling. So the, the commissar, the commissar would be like the, the 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 judge or whatever the race, like the organizer of the race. So he'd okay. be looking he'd, the the rule keeper, whatever you want to call him. Like he does, yeah, yeah. So he's on the radio and he'd be saying like, uh, "Oh, blah blah blah, we're, we've just come through whatever town." And then, but the the radio is not like a satellite, so yeah, yeah. Once, once you get out of range of the radio, which of our car was, they didn't really know. So they'd be making a few phone calls, and like they'd say, "Okay, the race is finished now, James. You have well, you have thirty minutes to do fifteen k or something." So then you know you're pretty, you're you know what you're safe. You, you should be, you, sh- you should be good after that. Like last year, uh, on one of the stages in Donegal. The Navin car was with us because there was three or four Navin lads in the group of me and they were come up to us, right lads, you have 20 minutes to do 10k, so he's our grand. So we rode in then, did the 10k in about 16, 17 minutes, I'd say, and we made it by like 30 seconds or something. So we're getting shit information, so you have to be... Fucking hell. You have to be prepared for that Sneaky as well. Like, so we are, No, they weren't doing a proper date. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, were. Yeah, well, if they were, they were putting three of their own riders at risk, but it was, it was just gas because... They were so certain that this was the game. And I said, what the fuck, lads? Because we said, oh, grand, let's not, just make it. We, we'll be, we have loads of time. And then it turned out we didn't. But anyway, we got there in the end. We got through it. But, but you got through it and that, you know, yeah, yeah. all, so all you get, well. Get, but get you your, would have been fairly fucking yeah, pissed no. off if you hadn't. Because that was a, that was the sixth stage, I think. So, And the, la- the last two stages were relatively straightforward last year on paper. And that was a hard one. But yeah, imagine if you did six stages and you got missed the time cut down and didn't. So this year... On the seventh stage this year, when the when the route was first announced, or when the host towns were announced around February or something, the first, uh, and then Carlo, like stage seven is going to be from Carlo to Nace, and I'm thinking, Carlo to fucking Nace like is twenty minutes in the car, so they must they can only be unless they're like they can only be going one place like you know, unless we're doing laps of Nace for an hour and a half <laughs> or the, the, only, the only way you can get the only way you can possibly string a, a, a 150k race is to go over Wicklow so it just went through 
brutal hills in Wicklow. But again, we we were happy enough. We got did a, we, we did all right in the end that day. But we were sitting down in this and afterwards, like drinking your cans of coke and eating your sandwiches and two the broom wagon rides in then so the broom wagon's at the back of the race so okay the broom wagon's in the two lads got over like they had to get into it because they were outside the time cutting one of them one of them was a really big lad from from a uh, from cork like he's he must be 100 kgs but he got around seven stages and another lad then come out bawling his eyes out like you know because to do seven like to to get to do the first six stage and then to miss out on the seventh day and not get your medal and all that and not get a finish in time must be heartbreaking. Whatever if you if you lose out on the first day, it's one thing, but if you get all the way to day seven and have to pack it in, you must be broken hearted because you put so much into it. Like everyone, like anyone who showed up, with this, no, no, there's no faffers there and draw it. Everyone who did it would have did a full hard winter training and then did every single race on the calendar all winter or all spring. And we had a shit winter and a shit spring. So it would have been involved hours and hours of training, the freezing cold, pissing rain, racing in the freezing cold, pissing rain, doing all this expense, everything, and then to not get a finish medal, they must be heartbroken. So. True. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about the training. Um, yeah, so the training, because uh, like, it's not the type, like the raw system, so I'm like, I have a bike, I, yeah. can, I can cycle, but the raw system for me like do you know what I know it's it's another level I believe yeah well it's it's just it's like to be honest it's it's a funny thing because experience and like ability and just knowing like fitness is is one thing obviously you have to be fit but you could be the fittest man there and still be a shite racer like you know because yeah. you, you could still like I'm I'm not a great man to be in the bunch I don't really I'm it is a, it's a I can't really overcome this. Not I once. Okay, fear. I suppose is the word. But like when I'm in the bunch with two hundred other people, I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake, this is like anything <laughs> could happen. So then, like lads like me with that attitude, the tendency is that we tend to drift towards the back where we think it's a bit safer. But if you're at the back, you're fucked because you're miles. Like when when the race lines out and you're at the back, like let's say the front, the first guy goes through a roundabout at fifty k an hour. The second guy has to slow down a little bit. And he's going through to 49k an hour. So yeah, the time gets to me, yeah. we're going 30k an hour. Your man is 500 metres of the road, so everyone's sprinting to get back on. If the further you are to the back, you're in big trouble. So anytime you find yourself near the back, you have to really just dig in deep and move up towards the front then. But uh, yeah, so riding riding through it, like uh, being in the bunch is probably the hardest part about in racing. like Because you're constantly, like, you know, you're at the mercy of the guy at the front of the race all the time. And... Uh, because he just decides he's going to put the hammer down, then everyone has to do it. Or if he surges, everyone does. And like the, the race could be going. Some there's moments this year where we're going at 15, 20 k an hour down the road, yapping, like you know, having a chat, and they, because it was just slow. Because the race leaders had decided that this is how they're going to race for the next twenty minutes. Lads getting off, going for a piss, going back to the car to get a drink, just having a chat, and then it'll pick up later. But if you get moments of that, you're laughing. But in terms to answer your question, the training there, yeah, like it's um a lot of like a. Uh, kind of mixed during the week you do your like I have a turbo like a stationary put my bike on a stationary trainer in the shed so you'd be getting up either really early in the morning or just doing it after work maybe two or three of those sessions a week some of them would be harder than others and how long like time wise hour hour and a half each session I'd say you wouldn't you don't really spend much more than that in a turbo hour and a half and that could be like you know you'd have a little warm up you'd have let's say you might do a few sprints you might do like like a few 
like you have a power meter in your bike, okay, so it'll tell you how many watts you're putting out and then like you know what your you know what your max watts is, so then you can say, like let's say you're doing ten minutes at ninety percent or something of your power, so you just keep it and then that'll be then you have a few minutes recovering and then you do another one of them and then you could do three or four of them, a few sprints and then you're done for the day. Then like when the weather picks up a bit and it's getting close to the season, you'll be doing hill repeats. You'd be doing so. I live, where I live is perfect for hill repeats because I'm right at the base of one of the most uh, overused hills and just coming out of Dublin. Like so, it's a it's a perfect location for me. If you're living in Kilbury, like there's folk all hills around here to go to, so it'd be struggling. But it's good for that. But um, yeah, that would be that. And then on Saturday, Saturday you go out with your mates and do like five six hours, just not really high intensity. You might do twenty minutes of high intensity every two hours or something, just to just for the sake of doing something high, but in, in general it's just about getting miles in because if if you show up for a race it's going to take five hours and you haven't done more than an hour and a half in the bike all winter you'll yeah of course so even though you're not even though the intensity isn't the same as what it is at the race like to be honest some people swear by like everyone like, the in racing now there's so many guys coaching at the moment and so many guys with their training plans selling them off to people and then like oh it doesn't matter here like I know you only have three hours a week to train, but don't worry. I'll make sure those three hours are the best three hours you can do. And, I, like, and, and they mean it, like you know. But it's a uh, it it takes time because I was saying to a lad at work last year, I said I don't think I could do it again. This was last year. I don't think I could do the train again. Like, How much is it? I says like you're talking twelve to fifteen hours every week from middle of October through to May. Twelve or fifteen hours is nothing. Like I said, yeah, twelve or fifteen hours doesn't sound like anything, but. If you go out on a six-hour ride on a Saturday and like three hours on a Sunday, that's nine hours. So you still have to find another. You still have to do another six then during the week. You know, so it's, yeah, more it, than an hour for the month yeah, to Friday, it, it, like it, every yeah, day for yeah, what does, seven months. So twelve to fifteen doesn't sound like a huge amount, but when you break it down, like you know, it's it's it is a good bit. But ah, like you start off in October, then you have your plan in front of you, like right, yes, you're stuck in, you're loving it, you're getting up early, you're full of. Then it gets to like the racing season will start starts at the beginning of March and uh, this year it was obviously we were snowed out for that time so we had to prolong it by a week but when the racing starts then you're like right what's on today Grand down to Enfield first race I, I, the wife would go like uh, when are you coming uh, just just roughly what time are you back I don't know the race will only be two hours so I'll be home at like X o'clock but then like you have to go like you always give yourself an hour to get down there and you want to be there an hour before it starts. So it starts at 11, you're leaving before 9 o'clock and then you, it starts, it finishes finishes at 1, half 1, you get changed, you go in, get a sandwich, you happen to everyone, before you know it, you're fucking getting home at 5 o'clock after only been racing for two hours, you're gone the whole day. Yeah. And then the next day it's the same and it's like that every single weekend. And then at Easter, it's a, you have a four day, it's kind of like a mini Ross, it's, 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 a four-day stage race down in Kerry. So it's called Ross Moon, so Monster Racer, Tour of Monster, and uh, so that's like your whole Easter's gone, and that means Kilorgan is not exactly down the road. So you have to go on Thursday evening. You're not getting back till Monday evening. It's 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 a drain. And then the, the May Bank Holiday, even another one of them, open Ulster, the Tour of Ulster, and like you convince yourself you have to do them all. Like a lot of people don't do it every week. Some lads might take a week off, but like going to do a race is so much better than actually a training session because you can't you can't train at the same intensity as, as a race so of course when you're doing it so that's in terms of training 
and then like once the race starts you could do two races Saturday and Sunday and then Monday you might have a rest day and then Tuesday you're back in the turbo again it's very hard to keep that motivation up after the I find that after the racing starts particularly in that Easter four day race you're just done like you just, like, can't train anymore like, just so sick of this but then oh go on just dig in the race is only it's only another month away and you'd be you'd be flying then like everyone always says your form like every cycle will tell you their form is just around the corner yeah. So this year, thankfully, I was able I was able to compare it to last year, but that worked out well. So the first race I did last year, I got really bad cramps and I had to pack it in after half. A, this year, the first race I flew around oh grand. Last year I did shite in that. This year I'm grand, so my form was much better. And the next week it was down in Gorman Lock, the race, the circuit around Stack Allen and Slane Castle Gates, and uh, last year I flew around that. This year, thirty k to go. Uh, packed because I was fucking struggling so badly. I said, "God!" And then so every you're trying all the training compared to last year to, to judge how your training is compared to then. But yeah, you just have to go to them. Once you get to May, the are only two weeks away. So what's done is done now. Just have to kind of start tapering or whatever you want to call it. You just start resting a little bit and just that, well, that's what I was going to ask. Just like, minding myself. Yeah. Does your ch- training change? Like, presumably, it's not the same for the seven months of you know October. No, nah, no, it'll be it'll it'll ramp up a lot. Like you'd, uh, the way I had it this year was in five week blocks. So you'd have um, the first the first of those five weeks would be it'd get harder and harder and harder, and then the last week you'd you'd have a kind of an easier week, and then the next five weeks a five week block would start, and that'd be. You'd up the intensity then, and everyone would be more intense. But it all, it all is. You're building it, up. It to always race, build yeah. off the rate to the third week, and then ease off a little bit in fourth, and then the fifth would be uh, much easier. And then I would start again next week. So, and that'll bring you into the racing season. But yeah, once the racing season starts, training kind of goes out the window because you can't do those big long five hour spins with your mates anymore because you're racing them that day, and it's a. Uh, yeah, it's very time consuming. Like I got to there was a race in Bortmean there around April, and I just says. Oh, I couldn't be fucking arse going today because Sunday morning, so the race, the race starts at one o'clock in Bormean and it's four hours, so it's not over till five. Be by the time I finish yapping because I ha- I can't stop yapping after. Oh, because like, you only see lads once a week. You'd be chatting to them. Then if someone got the result, you'd be waiting around for yourself just to oh, nice one, take a picture of them, put them on Facebook page and all that. Well done. And then like I'm doing a race in Bormean. It's uh, it's over five o'clock. Why, why aren't you home until half seven? I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> the only way I can say it is I'm just faffing about, and I make sure I'm there as I'm after the race. I'm a div for faffing, but before it, I'm hundred percent focused. Everything ready the night before, every single thing in the bag. So I just literally put the get me breakfast, uh, open the boot of the car, throw the bike, the bike in. I know I know everything's done up there because I nearly have a, a checklist. Every just yeah, 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 yeah. All this in the bag, done, gone. So there's no faff in the morning. Get there, sign on, get me gear on and then warm up. So that works at clock was afterward. Like, you know, yesterday I was up in uh or down in Kildare town for racing when it was over. I got home at like maybe five o'clock because it was it wasn't the longest race ever but and then Neve, wife goes like we're sitting out in the backyard and like, how long was the race anyway? I said I was only a, like I'm not saying only but it was 105 kilometers in total. No, no, how long did it take? I said two and a half hours. So you left at nine o'clock this morning. <laughs> you were back at just after five o'clock and the race was two and a half hours. Yeah, no, what can I do? And the reason for that is uh, oh, like Marcus got results, so I was waiting around to him. So just to uh, 
just so he had someone to clap when he went up to the thing. She goes, doesn't, <laughs> nah, sorry. Thankfully, I told her I'd be home at five anyway. Next week is in Navin. Uh, so I'll actually pass by your gate here a couple of times now, next Sunday afternoon. So you'd be hoping for, like, after the Ross, your legs, you should have good form. Uh, last year I went on holidays and just packed it in for a couple of weeks after, and it was the worst thing I did, whereas should have been enjoying. Like yesterday, I was going well. Hopefully, next Saturday it'll be the same, or next Sunday it'll be the same. I'd love to get a result in Navin because most of the races earlier on in the year are much harder, they're much longer. To prepare everyone for the Ross, yes. and now when the Ross isn't on the horizon, no one wants to do a 150k race anymore. They want a 100k, 80k races. So that's what that's what Navin will be a 100k again next week now. So, um, you say that the form will be good. Like what? What do you measure it by? Is it your your? Is it all yeah? You can watts or is yeah. It speed you can measure. I don't really. I'm not really into power. I use on the turbo, right? Just so I'm not going too hard when I'm should be doing X. I don't want to be going Y. So, but I don't use the power meter on the bike outdoors. So just you can use your heart meter, but just like you know, you're like just on your legs. Like I was going, I wasn't going to bother racing after. And then last, see, we have a league on Thursday nights, a summer league. You know, just a short enough race on Thursday evenings after work. So uh, last uh, Thursday night, I said, "Ah, oh, fuck, I go out and just just to say hello to everyone." Like you know, again yapping. <laughs> and uh, when I go out there. I said, "Jesus." didn't realise my form was this good like I was flying last Thursday night and it was going well so so I'll definitely do Saturday now definitely do Sunday as well like definitely do the following week too and then we're going on holidays next week so it's because uh, after this week I've just two or three weeks in a row now where I won't be around to do anything on the weekend so it's uh, between weddings and stags and this sort of thing and holidays so life in other words yeah 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 of so course yeah. this sort of thing but I love it man like I know it's, like I love it especially this time of the year when the weather's good and you're not under pressure, you're not thinking about because the Ross, you're stressing about the Ross from October. You're worried about what you eat, you're feeling guilty about every pint you take, every biscuit you eat, every every pizza slice you have, and everything again. Like, you're trying to watch your weight all the time. But now, once the Ross is done, it's a thank God I can actually start enjoying recycling now. Yeah, it was off season. Yeah, like. yeah. And so I'm, even though the race, there's still competitions on, we're still racing most weekends or sometimes twice a week during the week as well. You're, it's not as stressful because you're not trying to save yourself at the Ross you're not worrying about this fucking eight days hanging over you so yeah I sound like it's the worst thing in the world but it's actually the best thing especially <laughs> when when every stage finishes you're like cross the line oh thank god you go back to the car you have a lad handing your food you have a lad fucking washing your clothes you have all this sort of thing and I just said oh, this is the best thing there's those three or four hours after the race finishes before you have to start going to bed and getting your dinner and all that's the best because you're just oh, it's the closest you have or it's the furthest away you are from being on the bike again the next day so it's uh, ah, it's good crack now. I love it. I'd love to, if I'm not cycling next year because uh, we're having a baby now in November, uh, our first child. So if um, obviously going away for seven or eight hours on a Saturday and a Sunday, is <laughs> pro- pro- probably won't cut it down. And, and to be honest, I I'm glad because the time is right now. I don't really, I don't really have it in me to go through another year of that, even if there wasn't a baby involved. So, uh, but I would like to. I'll probably manage the team next year if I can. I, won't drive the car myself because driving the car is hectic as fuck but I'll definitely love to sit in the passenger seat for next year we'll and see. driving it's uh, I believe is what you call it stressful say because there's so many bikes around yeah there's you, bikes you know. I did it a few years ago in there's a, another stage race actually in Donegal uh, it's a three day thing and uh, I went up a few years ago there's six or seven lads from our club going up and said listen I'll do the team car and uh, so I drove the team car oh man it was it was grueling now. Like every day you go in, oh I'm fucked. Like said, Oh, myself and the lad who are 
like with another lad in the past with a mechanic and we're like oh get the stage over you go for go for three or four points every night like it'd be great crack after the stage you get out not bed scratch off gone Fucked. And, and just, like, what just, is it like? It's just so stressful because, uh, like, there's a huge bunch of riders at various levels. So even like two k out the road, there's lads getting dropped already, you know. And you're trying to drive around them, and then when the race slows down a bit, they're trying to move through the cars. So you're trying to wash the car in front of you. You have riders going, uh, trying to come up on your left side, trying o- to go overtaking you, trying to come up on your right side. Yeah, they're trying to get back on, trying to work their way up through the cars to get back into the group. Yeah, and meanwhile the lad behind you is panicking but you can't break some like you know this concept of riding the bumper like where if if a let's say a rider's dropped I've been this soldier many times I were you're dropped off the main bunch and the car drives up you sit in this bumper you have no draft you're hiding down behind the back window and yeah. you can move up at 70-80k an hour without even breaking a sweat and you're straight back into the bunch it's not really it's it's not they they they, they, they turned the blind eye to it this year way more than last year. Last year, if you tried to do it at all, they'd be a motorbike would be up beside you waving you on. But this year, the motorbikes kept going past us and they kept saying nothing, so it was happy enough. But uh, and they're the, the the stewards, stewards on yeah, yeah. So it's, okay. they, it's, it'd be their job to report you, like or tell you to come on. You can't be doing this. Tell make sure the car moves forward. But uh, yeah, so you had that, and it's just like like if you're in the car. A rider will always jump up behind you trying to get your draft, and I said, "No, I don't want him in it because I'm afraid that I'm going to injure him. I don't want to. I don't want to try and pace him back on. A, he's not my rider. B, I don't want to kill him because <laughs> like if, <laughs> if I was driving up, like it's all very. I'll just keep going at fifty k an hour. Don't worry about just 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 don't jam on the brakes. Yeah, but what if I have to jam on the brakes? What if I go over a bump in the road or something? And what if you know I don't want so riders are constantly trying to get onto your bumper and you don't want them anywhere near it. Like so. I found it very, uh, very stressful. Now they were much shorter stages. It was only three days, so to do it in the Ross, I don't know how anyone does it, but lads who do it tend to absolutely love it. Like so, our, the lad that did it for us this year, I'd say it was his fifth or sixth year doing it in a row, and he does it for, he does it loads of other races as well, like not just the Ross. So he's he's well fluid in, he knows the crack. So he was. Uh, he was you probably have to be a fairly competent cyclist to actually drive. Yeah, would you, to, yeah. To he would get what's yeah, going on around. He would have done. He would have done several races himself, actually, like or several Rosses himself over the years. Uh, it's probably like he's fifty odd now. So the last one would have been 10, 15 years ago. He did it, but he was. Uh, yeah, he was a savage rider in his day now. So he's no stranger to the cavalcade. But yeah, he knows. He knows what's expected. Yeah, he was brilliant. But uh, just a class driver, you put your put your full trust in him because if you're riding very close to his bumper, if he jams on his brakes or has to do anything at any time, you're just going straight into the back from there and yeah, going through that, going through the window. That's the horrible thing for about cycling for me. It's the it's the element of you can do nothing wrong and still yeah, clean yeah. yourself off. Yeah, the you'd have to put like like there is a there is a little bit of responsibility on the rider there to make sure he's keeping like watching. Like you have to be able to watch through the the windscreen of the car to see what's if there's anything coming on in front, and like if there's any, like the driver if like if I I could trust John a hundred percent that he wasn't going to uh, do anything stupid or just or make any mistakes, but some other cars would uh, like if you're in trouble someday another car might go by. He said hop in here. He might be bringing his rider back on. But I said I don't fucking trust that driver. I'm staying away from his bumper. Like thanks very much. All the same, but and uh, like I'd rather. I'd rather finish 10 minutes down the bunch than risk riding on, so the, on the bumper of a driver I don't know or trust. Just so a, a, a driver you don't know will offer you the opportunity to draft behind yeah, him, is Sometimes it? they mightn't necessarily offer you, but you might see a chance. To be an opportunity. Because he might sir. be bringing one of his own riders back on. You say, it'd be very easy for me just to hop in here and get back on, but 
if you don't sometimes you might you might jump in if you if like if it's to be honest you get to know between this last year and this year you get to know who the good drivers are pretty quickly and then if uh if you trust plus if they're with a uk pro team bringing their uh bring one of the riders back on then they're laughing then you know then you know he's he's obviously not a, <laughs> he's not he's he's obviously not a fool if he's coming over here uh, to drive the car he's obviously knows what he's at so you'd, you'd have a go on him too and what's the level of irish riding like so when an english like you seem to just and what you said there you seem to think that uh because it was an english team coming over that they'd be a, almost like a better yeah that, that was that was a that was like a, a, by the fourth or fifth day i said lads what is the story of these foreign teams? Because there's a German team there, and I said they're at nothing every day. Like the assumption is that oh, the the German team they'll they'll be strong, but like it's only a, some of the teams are just like amateur teams in Germany, like ourselves coming yeah. over. Whereas there are like proper pro teams there as well, but some of them might have maybe two pro riders, and then they just make up the rest with lads like myself. But the assumption is all is that if they're coming over from the UK, like we were in the group on the second last stage way down on the leaders and uh, like a, there's a team for English team called St. Piran and one of their lads thought he was a great lad stopping for a piss at the fastest part of the race oh he, in his head he said I'll just stop here go for piss and just ride straight back in not a chance left for dead yeah you went for piss you got back onto your bike the race was a mile off the road and you were never getting and you were stuck with me for the day then like, you know, so it's, uh, <laughs> and like they were they weren't like they were no better than they were just just because they were foreign lads, like you know, it's a there was it's a kind of tends to be an assumption that they're brilliant just because they're foreign. But then they have teams, the Swiss team, they come over a proper national team, you know, so they, they would have picked the, the five top riders at that level and, in the in the whole country, and, 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 and brought them over. Yeah, so that's they were a good team. But there's a team from America as well called the Jelly Bellies. They're sponsored by that Jelly Bean Company, the okay. Jelly, Jelly Bellies, and they were over as well. And, Again, like, because, oh, the, the American team, oh, they, they must be brilliant. They're hardly spending thousands to come over here just for nothing, like, you know. But again, like, it's one of, one or two of them were really good getting up in the front group, getting in a few places every day. But more often than not, like, I think, especially this year, I think maybe they've probably got a bit too much respect when you consider, uh, like, they weren't, like, consider the level they were at just because they were coming over from a foreign team, coming over. The assumption was they're brilliant, but it wasn't always the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, no, that's fair enough. Yeah. But I, th- I think we we tend to do that. I think it's because maybe it's because we're kind of a small island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, like just... I've seen it in fighting lads. Be like, oh, yeah. fighting a you know a, a Czech guy or a Polish guy. Oh, yeah, he's as if that was something. Yeah, like, it's, you know? it's like the the president of Czech Republic route through the country and picked out the best fighter exactly, yeah, possible exactly. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not just a lad like you hopping on the plane out of his own pocket and heading over like, oh, exactly oh, yeah oh. we imagine these people come who, who travel especially as you know they have a team around them and they have a medic and they have a fucking you know a, a dietitian and you know they're they're just the equivalent of you without an arse in your trousers and a yeah, ride yeah, in yeah. flight to you know an airport 200 miles yeah. away from where you're performing like it's like in St. Pat's I know uh, uh Rest his soul, Ezio. Remember yeah, when yeah. Ezio started in Pat's? Um, oh, this lad is Italian coming over, and uh, first game in the Astro Turf at lunchtime. <laughs> he's obviously the greatest soccer player anyone's ever seen. Like, yeah, you know, I don't even think he kicked the ball before. So he's uh, anyway, Lord, not Lord of Mercy on Ezio. That's right, yeah, Jesus. He was an every year in Pat's, yeah. But yeah, the 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 excitement when the Italian came and he was going to be the greatest footballer of all time and. <laughs> it wasn't to be <laughs> yeah I remember I was in uh, Amsterdam a couple of years ago 
and um, we got chatting to a group of lads and there was great excitement that we were Irish because we were in a pub and everyone was drinking. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was all the big drinkers from Ireland and we were like, Jesus, I'll be on my ear after four points. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the disappointment in people's know, faces, yeah, yeah. like the, the, there's an expectation that, you know, you're from Italy, you're a great soccer yeah, player. Yeah. You know, you're from Ireland, you can you're lower 20 a points. average drinker. Yeah, yeah. It's so one of the, remember us talk about that Jelly Belly team there, the American team. Well, on one stage, yeah, I was on my own on the road, I was suffering badly and it was the same day that I'm always talking about, the real bad day, but next minute, uh, the, Jelly Belly rides up beside me hey man oh how's it going yeah and I looked at him I said that's my fucking bike you're on like, you know he says oh is this yours yeah because he crashed his bike and our driver gentleman that he is just took my spare bike off the roof and gave it to me you know oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah yeah so that's why because I was looking at his bar tape because I had a kind of funky bar tape on mine and I was looking at him she's like I like your bar that's my fucking bike <laughs> and uh, he go anyway I was just chat. we were together then for the next hour or so, so we in the easier sections we'd, we'd yap a bit like just he goes he must have asked me seven times like so um are you going to have like a Guinness tonight said, yeah man are you going to fucking shoot up a school tonight like oh. <laughs> I said that to him as well he laughed he said no I get you I get you touche touche yeah yeah so that was that was uh, there that, that's once I said that to me, he laid, he laid off the Guinness jokes. Then, yeah, yeah, put him right yeah, in his place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, has Ireland got a pro team? It has a it has a like a okay. There's various levels of uh, teams, I guess. So let's say the top one, the World Tour team, they're the ones that would be like Sky and uh, movie star. The teams that be featuring heavily in the Tour de France, like Chris Froome, like Rise for a World Tour team. So they'd be at like, the top echelon. And then below that you have uh, continental, um, and then below that again, like it's kind of like content. Like let's say the world tour is one point one, like and then underneath that you have two point one, and then underneath that you have two point two. So two point two is what our race was. Okay. okay. So the Ross is two point two. So it's like a third third tier race for pros, and it lets amateurs in as well. Right. Yeah, there's there's loads of there's loads of uh, like the. Third tier teams can get into a lot of two point ones as well, but Ireland have a two point one, I guess, at the moment from Cork, Aqua Blue, and uh, they set up last year. Last year was their first year, and they actually did really well last year because you know they have the World Tours, like they have the Tour de France, the Giro d'Italia, and the Vuelta a España. So there's three Grand Tours uh, every year, and um, they got an invite to the Vuelta last year, and one of the riders actually won a stage, so. It was like, he, I can't, I think he was Austrian. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know where he's from. I don't really follow pro cycling, to be honest. But he was, um, like everyone was saying, oh, they're really making waves now. They're doing really well. And this year they didn't get any invites to any of the Grand Tours. So they're fuming now and they don't know what they're going to do. So who knows? Cycling teams, unless they have huge money, they're not, they tend not to have a very big shelf life, you know. So there's, they don't tend to last very long. Like I know Sky have been around a good while and a lot of teams do, but at the level just beneath that, they're constantly changing their names. Like they might, the team is called one thing this year and then next year a new sponsor might come in or call something yeah. else but it's fundamentally the same team. So that's a, like there was on Post as well, you might have heard like uh, on Post Sean Kelly team. So on Post had a team and they would have had a lot of, like a lot of really promising Irish amateurs might have uh, went to them to turn pro, you know, and uh, over the years and they also, they would have lads from uh, elsewhere in the world as well. They were, even though they're Irish, they were based primarily in Belgium and rode races in Belgium a lot. But when I'm pulled, pulled out of cycling last year, 
that was the end of that team as well. So a lot of those lads went to another team that set up this year in England called uh, Holdsworth Cycling. But again, like at that level, it's you're you're pretty much. It sounds like you're a pro rider, but you're getting your expenses paid, and you get you get your bike paid for your kit paid for for supplied for you. But you're not. It's not. A, it's not a living, like you know. Yeah, yeah, they're not getting a hundred grand. No, no, no. I'd say it, if they're getting if they're getting their expenses and five or six grand max a year, I'd say, and like it's it's subsistence. Yeah, like. and it's a it's a it's a hard slog now because there's no like salary. Um, there's no lower salary. Or what's the word? There's no minimum salary requirement. Like you know, if you go up to the next level where the Irish team are, there is a minimum salary. Now I think it might only be the thirty five grand or something, but at least if you're on that team, you're getting at least that much plus yes. all your expenses. Whereas if you're on a two point two team, it's you nearly need to have like a sugar daddy or something or rich parents or something to to fund you to to get on it because it's a it's it's an expensive life. And is it like at your level even is it expensive? The, yeah, the bite it's, and it's, the bits it's, and pieces. It's expensive, and... yeah, because like you, like I know Darren touched on as well, but you always want it's the same in anything. Like you know, you all if you're a footballer, you want the boots that are slightly more expensive than the ones you have or slightly better. You always want them. As soon as you buy one pair, you're back on this catalogue looking at the next pair like, that you want to buy and you're con- everyone wants to upgrade the whole time but even like just like the Ross because we had sponsorship for the Ross still we still had to pay 400 quid each just to ride it just to do the thing but like to be honest for 8 days on, on the road it's not a huge amount it's 50 euros a day we'll say for your food and accommodation um, and the entry fees and all that but like when you go down to Kerry and for that 4 day race you're paying like 4 nights B&B entry food every night like you're spending five six hundred quid just for a weekend just so you can finish like last you're not necessarily going to compete it's just like it's just something you feel if you want to do the Ross you have to do that as well and then the same again May so it all adds up plus then like you know tyres aren't cheap chains aren't cheap cassettes aren't cheap wheels aren't cheap getting your bike bringing it to the mechanic isn't cheap like it's constantly and you're constantly buying more gear you're constantly buying this that and the other and stuff is yeah like you're never off like there's a couple of websites now you're never off them as well and you don't even have to you just click buy and it automatically sends you don't have to type in any details or anything anytime so it's too it's, easy uh, like, like I suppose if, like my sister-in-law for example is into photography like you know and she has like the best expensive camera but then like the next one is coming out next year and she wants that one as well like, yeah, you know, better zoom yeah exactly yeah is. and then like she wants like oh then do you have I have twelve lenses, but the thirteenth one I would really, would really <laughs> complete the complete the collection. So I'm going to spend two grand on that or whatever it costs. Like so, it's uh, every hobby. Like uh, during last winter, I did a bit of running as well, just to stay fit. Like you know, John, plus just to break up the cycling. And I said, "This is, this is unbelievable." I just probably runners run out my garden, uh, run out my front door, run for half an hour, and I'm done. Brilliant. But then I said. After about three weeks, I said, you know what, I'm actually starting to enjoy this running now. I'm just going to buy a new pair of runners. Like, you know, just to... <laughs> and then before I know it, I'm leaving the shop for spending like a hundred quid in a pair of runners. And then like I'm running around and say, God, I'd love one of them Garmin watches, you know. They're... And like before you, like I didn't buy one in the end, thank God. But they had all like, like from the outside, it looks like all you need is a pair of runners for your runner. But if I'm sure when you get into it, then you want every single thing that goes along with running as well. Oh, yeah, run, run, runners for the hot days, yeah, exactly. Days, yeah, and, and all the different types of gear, and all the, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like it's no matter what you're into now, it all adds up. Oh. So that's uh, yeah, it's 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 pricey. I don't know how young lads do it now. So most of the young lads who do it, it's their parents that are mad into it, like you know, so they right, can, yeah. yeah. Whereas, uh, yes. Yeah, 
Again, else's was. And it was is if you weren't spending that, you'd be spending on drink. Cause they always, yeah. <laughs> right. Is there self into it? Does she? No, no, not at all. Like she likes, she like it's a. I think you need an understanding wife. Very much so. I wouldn't get away with fucking sixteen. No, sixteen. No, no, no. Time. I tried to like. Listen, it's a. It took her a while maybe to get used to, but she was fully behind the Ross last year and fully behind this year, and he had great support in it. Uh, like I know it's a drag for her because like yesterday for example she's off looking at tiles uh, for the bathroom and meanwhile I'm fucking down in Kildare eating sandwiches and talking shit when I should be coming home like you know and it's just all part of the, the life but um, I think uh, yeah like, thank God she's she's great about it and she always has been like very encouraging and there's never really been any fights over it now there's been a lot of uh, like you know this is like the last two or three years we know it took maybe a teething problems like this is only like I said this is the fifth year been into it and like the first year or two maybe but I, like I think when you're in my situation like you have to make sure that the time you're not cycling is spent doing something worthwhile oh yeah like, maybe the first year I come home from a race and I'm like god I'm bollocks just it's gonna sit in the couch for me when she'd want to do something but now like whatever you'd, you'd always you'd, like eventually you'd, you work out something that works for the two years like so that's where we are now so it's uh it's um yeah, like I'm sure if you asked her honestly, she'd say, "Please let him never cycle again." But <laughs> at the same time, is she appreciates the fact that I like it and that it's something I'm into, and she's like, she doesn't want to be that person. Says, "Oh, because you have a lot of bravado, a lot of bullshit on the Saturday bins, like lads who don't want to come out because they're too lazy or they're out in the beer last night. All is fucking blaming their wives, like you know. Of course, oh, yeah, the, yeah. the missus is pissed off. She won't let me out today, like you know. And I'm saying that's complete or bullshit, like you know. <laughs> lads blame their wives for everything, like you know. Whereas mine has been never been anything but supportive, like you know. And if uh, thanks if you ever do listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and come here, you only got into cycling properly was it five or six years ago? You said yeah. I I moved offices about like I was working in town, living in Dundrum with Niall and. Shane O'Brien and it was handy then just jumping to Lewis in there 15 minutes and then we moved offices we moved way down to Grand Canal Dock so I tried walking I tried getting to Lewis and then walking a half an hour said, this isn't going to work so I just said I'll get a shitty bike for commuting so then I was like hmm like I would have always had a bike when I was young for like living where I live you kind of needed one or else you'd be sitting in your house all day so I cycled around but it was it was never doing much, only like going over to the neighbor's house or just hanging around, going over to the shop, and this sort of nonsense. But it was never, never really, certainly never racing. But yeah, I started cycling to work, and then the odd weekend, I said, you know what, I might just go for a cycling for the sake of it. So I might go out, and I said, God, this is good. And then, uh, then I got an actual road bike and started cycling all around Wicklow. I was doing it on my own, doing loads of spins. Then I said, I'm actually pretty handy at this. Like it's good crack as well. And then. Like around that time, you know, Colin Lydon, don't you? Yeah, so we, we Colin Lydon came up and uh, we went for parked car in my house in Dundrum. We went for a spin down towards Enniskerry and he had a really bad crash that day, which could have turned turned me off cycling. Thankfully, it didn't. Like, uh, listen, it was a that was a weird day because, like, I'm sure you've heard of that his about the accident before well I, all, all I know being honest was well my understanding of it is he was flying going downhill presumably came off the bike and hit a fucking rock or something uh, that's that's yeah, literally the yeah. limit of what okay. I understood is, I'm not sure if you're from, familiar with the area but Enniskerry is like it's, a, it's a kind of at the bottom of a little hill 
and it's the hill's about two kilometers long, say maybe, and it's twisty. Like it's an all right surface, but it's twisty. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's a kind of footpath along the side of the whole way down, and then footpath meter wide, and then there's a wall about waist height. Right. All the way down, and he was going down, and he was just, just a few meters in front of me, and uh, we're just rocking down, no bother. And it was a we shouldn't have been out cycling on the day like that. There was it was there was snow in the mountains where we were going, so we were we just because we were into it. And he was mad to go, and I was mad to get out. We said, "Oh fuck, just wear an extra jacket or something." It'd be grand. Yeah, it'd be grand. So there was probably a bit of ice or something in the roads. Slipped, but when he slipped, going as fast as he was, and went head first into the wall. Then after sliding down, I just said, "I just had to take a second. I said it stopped." I said, right, the count is dead. Uh, fuck. And then I went over to him and he was like, um, it was clear that he was still very much alive, thank God. But uh, he wasn't in he wasn't in great shape now. But like, yeah, where we are, it was very trying because he was, uh, he was unconscious. He was, but he had loads of people, like everyone stopped their car and came over to him. But it was the most, I don't know how the hell he's alive, to be honest, because... Uh, it was a funny thing to see. No, funny is not definitely not the word. It was a really crazy thing to see because it was. I was so convinced that there's no way any human could possibly survive anything like that. What I was just seeing. So I had to nearly brace myself to go and over to it, like you know. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, so eventually, anyway, the ambulance. This is a long time. Ago, it was over nearly five years ago. Anyway, the ambulance would have came and more five years. Anyway, the ambulance would have came and. Brought him off, and I says, "What's the story, doctor?" Is he said, "Oh, well, let's let's we get into the hospital." So we're hospital taking to Vincent's. So one lad anyway who was there at the road, put his bike and my bike on thing, brought me home. I went in, got my car, drove to Vincent's, and on the way, like I I rang his sister Maureen, I uh, I rang her and um, told her, and I said, "It's actually pretty serious now." So I'd say yourself and your mum. Should probably so. should probably get up to Vincent's as soon as you can. I'm going there now. I'll be there before you, so I'll meet you there. Ring me in the meantime if you don't hesitate and all that. So anyway, they came as soon as I came. I said my friend is after coming in. Call him Lydon. He's in. Oh yeah, is it the bike? Yeah. Okay, just wait there for a second. And then the doctor called me in straight away and he says, "Oh, it's, it's not, wasn't great or whatever." And oh yeah, then Maureen and Colin's uh, mother arrive and. uh like the doctor brings the three of us into this little it's a room it's not really it's off the waiting room it's like a I don't know what you call it a consultation pa- a panic room or consul- something there was or just literally literally two three or four chairs mm. in a room that was with a door on it and I said Jesus people don't get brought into these rooms unless it's yeah yeah really bad news yeah. but then thankfully he uh, like like he got off very lightly in fairness he must be made of hard stuff but it was uh, yeah man I don't know It's what kind of speed are we talking about he could have been going 50 or 60k an hour easily like, you know, without even pedalling like, yeah yeah and uh, like it's very easy to lose because he wouldn't have had a lot of experience at the time I think he wouldn't have necessarily known where the known the road and it was given the it was probably about 2 degrees or max at the time I'd say and we were well down in the valley I'd say it could have easily been nice. I I have no idea what happened, but it was a uh, yeah. That was a traumatic 
traumatic experience to say the, the, least, yeah. the thing about being on the bike at, at 50 or 60 kilometers an hour it's equivalent to jumping out the window of a car going that speed is it yeah like, yeah if you fall out the thing is like sometimes you do more damage when you're going slower and you kind of fall over and land awkwardly that's so you did have a series injuries whereas when it's straight if, down if, if you yeah. skim along the yeah, ground if you're going really fast the impact is spread out over a long yes, distance so you, yes. get, you get road rash then usually but you don't get necessarily road rash not, oh, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> even the name of it it's not uh, it's not it's not it's not um it usually doesn't involve serious injury but he was getting away with the road rash until he hit the wall right yeah and uh, I don't know how the fuck he's alright I still I still don't know presumably the helmet saved his life did it or yeah yeah was, you want to see his helmet like it was it was like he'd hit, dropped an anvil on it like you know it was yeah, yeah. destroyed and that was back in the hospital as well I think uh, I think he went looking for it then after but did fucked it out or something so he went be a nice keep souvenir I suppose yeah of the day but yeah thankfully he um, he rallied now but he he's had a that was the second really traumatic serious injury he's had in his life now he had another one when he was maybe <gasps> fuck there was a roof or something yeah yeah, yeah. I that was, about I'd that. say we're in so you're talking 99 or 2000 or something I remember going to see him in hospital in Beaumont at the time and he was li- it was been 2000 because the Euro 2000 was on and he, I think he was lying in bed with his two feet up in the air for like six seven weeks or something Jesus yeah and, uh, and he had a tiny like tiny little black and white TV the size of your <laughs> fist trying to watch the Euros on it at the time and it was uh, so yeah he's had a he's had a rough but thankfully he's he came out stronger both times I suppose I'll have to get him on do you hear do that you? Mr Lydon yeah Colin you should do it this is good crack yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm liking the set of Fran has here now steady because it's guys, because Colm uh, trained with me in Kokoro for a, oh, a couple yeah? of months. Yeah, oh, right, yeah, right, was, right. yeah, he got into the mixed martial arts there for a good while. Uh, He'll try it in that, lad. <laughs> yeah, fucking mad. Cracked. <laughs> uh, like the rest of us, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. You have to be cracked to do this sort of shit, don't you? But come here, you didn't have a competitive streak in you then, or like, because to get to Ross level, it it takes a certain kind of competitive edge, I think, does it? Yeah, you, you always say, like, you don't, you're not competitive, but I think... When you start going down and like um, I started cycling and I was doing spins at that with Colin my own and then I kind of did it on my own. We went to the odd sportive with Darren or some of them I did on my own as well but I kind of got a bit fed up. It's, it's a bit boring going the same roads on your Tobler every day. It yeah. Gets a, like I, I enjoy cycling on my own even to this day but it's uh, I heard there was a club in the drums so I go out with them and I've met a few lads and sort of came clicked with most of them really quickly like because they're all into the same shit as you are like you know they're all yeah, the same all just cyclist wankers. on your mind yeah exactly <laughs> so you, you yap away to them and then then I was delighted to join the club and but I, did, I only joined it really with the intention of having lads to cycle with on a Saturday afternoon uh, or Saturday morning whatever and uh, then after a couple of weeks I realised that most of these lads race and I didn't really know what the crack was of racing at the time and then I thought oh you like you it's the same to this day. Anytime anyone starts who's even a shred of confidence on it, oh, you need to get racing now. You, need to, you should be racing. You should be racing. So, like, eventually my arm was twisted and I never looked back since. So, it's just kind of, you're constantly thinking about it, constantly. Oh, like, you're all, as someone says, like, the good thing about cycling is that you could have 100 lads starting in a race and every single one of them thinks that when it's over, one lad has won it, the other 99 think they could have won it. Yeah. And that's yeah. why it's a. Uh, that's why I said if I just had to do this a little bit differently at that moment, I probably could have won that. And then that's why that's what keeps people coming back every week. Like you know, like like myself, when I got up to the moved up through the ranks, once you get to the A one, then you, there's nothing. 
it's very hard to get a result any week. So you could be like all last season they didn't get one result all year. And uh, and you, presumably you would have been used to getting results from the Yeah, you would have been getting into most A four, A three, A two, you'd be kinda of going into every race expecting or not not necessarily expecting, but you wouldn't be you'd feel if the if the circuit suited you there wasn't too many big hills and you say, I definitely should be able to get something out of this. Whereas now you're just saying, right, if you can just finish them but then this year I've got a couple of top tens, uh, but it's uh, it's still ha- even to get one of them is very hard because standard is so high. Like you know, you've a lot. In addition to the pros that are coming over from the continent, you've a lot of Irish lads who might as well be pros because they don't work; they just train all the time. Like you know, they have either their students or their they just have rich family or they have a, a job that isn't really a job. You know, they have like they might work. Uh, they might be. They might have a job that requires like very little like, on call or something like you know. There's, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of free time. A lot, yeah. a lot, an awful lot of free time. So these sort of jobs, but uh, good luck to them. Yeah, they're all trucking. Like, so one of the, one lad is able to go away to Mallorca for the whole winter and train his own, even though he's an amateur because he works. Ah, in a, yes. he works in an online company. You know, so yes. Doesn't really matter where he is, and that's how he does it. So it's. Uh, and what way is your work? Is your work strictly nine to five Monday to Friday? Or yeah, well, I'd actually, to be honest, I packed in my own job because it was getting to the stage. It was like nine until. Nine, nine to ten, nine right, like, uh, regularly enough, and uh, just listen. I just the Ross come over. I said, you know what? I literally, I've had enough of this place. I was there twelve and a half years, and like the more I thought about, it, like I kept, like this is the reason I'm going. That's the reason I'm going. This is the reason. eventually I just decided on. Listen, you know what? All these reasons just feed into one reason. I'm just here too long. I think my time is up. So I just packed it in there and I didn't have a job to go to. I've since got one now, starting another few weeks. But um, yeah, the job wasn't good for the Ross at all, especially this year. Last year was a bit better. This year was shite. Like, you know, you had two or three weeks in January there where you're finishing midnight every night. So you literally have to... Oh, it was a shite existence now. Getting up in the morning, getting to work, go home, go straight to bed. And bullshit. Yeah, and then so, herself is in your ear then. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, she was supportive of that. She was kind of telling me, like, you know, this is not on. This is, like, you need to... So we had, a, like, it was a big decision, like, just quitting the job, like, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so obviously we would have talked through that ourselves a good bit. And I said, listen, baby on the way, I said, listen, just don't worry about everything. Just, it'll all work out. So thankfully it's... Well, fingers crossed the new job's not, it's not any worse, but by all accounts it's, it's not, so... Fingers crossed, we'll see. That. And her, herself, would she be worrying about you in races now that you get injured or that you know there'd be a bad smash or? Yeah, yeah, I would assume so. I think you're more likely to have a bad smash out on a Saturday morning, which are like a, a, a car running over. Like the driving is like it's it's we're at a situation now in the roads, especially Wicklow and Kildare, where we do most recycling, and me, where it's literally a real them versus us attitude from both sides. Like you know, whereas. Their cars on the road won't give you an inch. They drive by you, like, give you a millimetre, and they're yeah, yeah. really aggressive towards you. It's not everyone. Some of them, especially, like, uh, like I understand it's frustrating, but, like, uh, the, then the riders do themselves no favours either by insisting on fucking riding 10 feet apart, like, and uh, calling it two abreast. Like, if you're riding two abreast, you can, you should be touching the person's elbow beside yeah, you. Yeah, it's not over the other fucking not, lane. Not one lad in the ditch and the other lad in the, in the right-hand lane, yeah, so... They don't do that. Then, like, anytime someone beeps at them, it's straight away, oh, fuck <laughs> off, fucking driver, wanker. And, like, and all this, and just, just come on, lads. He's over the middle of the road. Obviously, he's going to be pissed off. He just saw. 
Yeah, I think it's like it's, it's yeah, it's getting to be a bit of a problem now because a lot of there's a lot of riders, cyclists out doing leisure spins on a Saturday morning, something that been hit and killed in the last two years. Like so, it's uh, last year we had an awful lot of deaths on the road. So yeah, I, I don't know what's going to be done about, it, but that's you do get a lot of shit. But I, I think that's when you're most at risk as well, especially if you're out on your own on a Saturday morning or something, and there's a lot of drivers out, but. Yeah, just I guess you would be worried. I suppose. For the Thankfully, I've done about. I I have no idea how many races done. Five, probably close on two hundred races. I'd say, and I've crashed twice. I think. Right. And they were both like in the second year, and they were both. I think I got a bit of road rash on my elbow. One of them. Didn't yeah, yeah, not so bad. Didn't, didn't get anything on it. And is there an element of losing your nerve when you do come off the bike, especially if if you're in the pack? Like you don't like the being kind of in in the pack with everybody else. Yeah, right? yeah. I kind of get that. I think even though I've never been in one, but uh, presumably when you're going down hills, especially around yeah. tight bends, there's a you have to have a fucking yeah, you have nerve to have nerve. You have to you have to have nerve. Yeah, like some it's a. Uh, I think in something like the Ross or at the level of racing I'm at now, most lads are beyond confident with their bike handling skills and their ability to ride in the bunch. And so you can a lot of trust, but I'd say like at the lower levels, like I wouldn't trust anyone there, like to because like I think the lower levels get a bit of a hard time as well because there's crashes at every level. But I think when the level of when the experience of racers around you is not as high, going around a corner they might tend to break a bit more they might tend to just lean in a bit more they might I don't know what they just mightn't be as confident whereas in our races you have to be uber confident or else you want to get fucked over by that like if, you, if you're like you have to hold your line whereas some races see lads and they're riding all over the road trying to balance themselves and usually though when you get to if if you can get up move up through the ranks quickly enough you tend to that's your usually pretty confident when you get to that stage so it's yeah, it might it's it's much safer I feel much safer like especially in the Ross where everyone is really good and really at a high level like, yeah. at a really high level yeah so it's um, I don't think there's any like I don't really like riding the bunch but it's just uh, you know it has to be done and but yeah I wouldn't like to drop a inexperienced lad into that bunch there it'd be like a bomb going off inside it I'd say because he just wouldn't know how to corner he wouldn't know how to uh like you said, descend either. So it's long descents, long twisty descents in a bunch is very nerve wracking. But you have to just assume that it's just put. It's like like riding the bumper of the car. Just put fate into the eyes that they're not going to crash into you. Like you know, just <laughs> hope for the best. But it's the same when you go out. In the, well, it's not really the same, but it's similar to when you go out in the road. Like you're saying earlier, you could do everything right, and like you're driving down the road, careful as that, and the next minute a lorry plows into you, like because he's on the wrong side of the road. Like it's not. Like you're at the mercy of everyone else all the time. It's oh the yeah, no, of course. Same, yeah. The same in the bunch. So it's funny though because it, there's parallels there with even in martial arts and, and sparring. I feel a hell of a lot safer against an experienced sparring, yeah, an yeah, experienced fighter than a lad who's just you know kind of just started. Yeah. The lad who's just kind of just started, he'll fucking knock you out. Like do you yeah, know what I Because yeah, no, you know you won't be expecting so. None of the nuances that you need, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're right. you're, you're tipping along. Well, okay, let's see, let's see what he has. And in his head, like you're so in your mind, you're like, okay, yeah, moving around, everything's going around. And in his head, it's like. <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, like, anyway. wired up trying to out to impress maybe a bit as well like, and, a bit part of it yeah, maybe yeah. as well sure I remember myself even when I started you are you're, you're kind of you don't want to look stupid and you, you absolutely know. mad to bait the head off <laughs> in a way but then, <laughs> no, knowing the limitations of yourself as yeah, well like yeah. knowing how good the other lads are like it's 
it's weird. Yeah. But um, is there much? Because cycling, you can't really talk about cycling, even though I don't think this came up with Graham or um, Dazzler or Darren. Uh, drugs. Is there much or any? What what is it? Cyclists are mad into EPO yeah, or? I think it's, uh, I've never been offered any. <laughs> More's the pity. I believe it's very expensive. I hear, That's I hear, it's, I hear it's pretty good. Though. I hear the effects are almost instant. Um, yeah, you hear the odd rumor about a lad, especially if he's a lad down like uh, in Leinster. There's a Munster lad doing really well. Like there's always. Yeah, I say every rider who's done who's been really good in the amateur level over the years. There's always been a little bit of ah. Uh, yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> but like, it's just there. Uh, it could be. It, it could be. Maybe he's absolutely off his rocker every single Sunday afternoon, killing us all. But I don't know. I think if he is, if everyone under Ross is on drugs except me, I'd be very fucking pissed. Off right <laughs> now, so. I'd be surprised if there was too many of them. Then again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if listen if they were taking drugs. They'd more than likely be at a higher level than they're at now. So they, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, so yeah. If if they're taking drugs and they're still only good enough to finish fifty in the Ross, I'd say you need to get a new supplier, mate. Like you know, so it's sorry. I know what you mean. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? Who knows? But I'd be. Um, I don't know. I. I. It's not something that's come across me. Every cyclist says the same thing. Like you know, they're all. Every World Tour rider and see them in the press conference, they're all saying what I'm saying now. I've never seen drugs. I don't believe it's a problem. <laughs> yeah. like, no. so, yeah, and was, as soon as I'm saying that, all I'm thinking that, jeez, I sound like all these dickheads now, I tell you, like saying the same thing every week. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just assume everyone in the World Tour is, is, is doping, but they're getting away with it, so good luck to them. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And come here, if you're finishing up with the Ross next year, you'll still... Oh, no, this year was your last year of the Ross, you reckon? Yeah, I hope. I'd say so, yeah. You'll definitely <laughs> next year. Never you'll say, definitely never next say year. Never, never say never. Uh, but if you weren't, for argument's sake, to do it, you'll keep bracing on the kind of more local circuit, will you? Or Yeah, you see, to be honest, you still have to train probably as hard just to keep up on the okay. Sunday races as I've been doing all year, so it's... Uh, it's just you wouldn't feel obliged to go to every single one of them. Like, oh, there's a race in wherever, Killarney tomorrow, I have to go down to it. There's a race in Dungarvan, I have to go down to it. There's a race in Kilkenny, I have to go down to it. So if maybe next year I might train go by during the winter and just do local races like the likes of Navan. Like, there's, to be honest, more often than not, you don't have to go too far. Like I listed Gorman Lock, Bormean, Navan several times, Clemesson. You're not... But there are, there are other ones down, down the country now. I mean, there's nothing on Leinster you might need to go down to whatever yeah yeah Cork or something but to do but in general you don't have to travel that far and you were saying that you're not a fan of the, the climbing so t- is it I might not have this right time trial is that like a flat race or what's t- what's the time trial time trial is just you get onto your bike and you have, you have an hour to, or you have a, a set distance to do and everyone goes off on their own time and they have uh, okay. so they come back he'll come back let's say there's 40k and you come back oh my time is 55 minutes and he got 53 so he wins like, you know, so that's right and what uh, have you would you do I, that or have I, you done I, it I did it a couple of years ago I uh, I actually <laughs> bought a time trial bike as well and uh, but sort of like there's very few events on I know like a lot of lads use the TT bikes for triathlons as well but I have no interest in that and uh, you go down and do uh, like I'd find a 10 mile TT and just, and, and just do it like with up the cabin with the TT bike and did it but I don't know, it's very, it's not as, I, it, it's grand, but you have a bike that's costing you two or three grand and it's getting used five times a year. It's not. Yeah, so yeah. So I, I flogged it then pretty quickly. I've, I used it for, did about eight or nine races on it, or eight or nine TTs on it, and then the next year 
as soon as I found somebody who wanted to buy it, I couldn't get rid of it quickly enough, you know. Yeah, just as you mentioned triathlon there, age-wise you wouldn't be, I wouldn't even think you'd be close to peaking in triathlon. Yeah, I can't swim for starters and uh, I don't really like running. <laughs> so it's, uh, You're not prime. It's not, yeah, it's not. <laughs> I think, I think there's better candidates out there for, to, to, be, to take up triathlon than me. But um, I like when I was enjoying a bit of running there before Christmas, I... Uh, so I never know now after Ross I might do a du- duathlon too but then as soon as I stopped running I completely forgot I ever ran again like, you know, I just yeah, never, yeah. never never even thought about it since I just did I had a like a training plan for the winter and that involved like five six weeks of running just to just to break the monotony of always being on the indoor bike so I did that and I said oh I'm really loving it and then he goes right no more You're back on the bike full time now okay, yes so fair enough so that was it and is there much weight training for the for the bike? Or is yeah, it all I did a good bit bike? of gym last year. I actually didn't do any this year because I absolutely couldn't stand going to the gym. So you try to do your strength work on the bike then, you know, just standing up, riding a really, really hard gear, just grind as hard as you could for 10 minutes, just like get strength in your legs that way. Like you, I just said I couldn't face the gym again. It was so boring, so annoying, so just so awkward for me to get to where I was with work and where I live at the time. I just could never get to it. So I said, don't want to do the gym this year. Give me something in, in lieu of the gym. So that's what I got. And what about uh, like your diet or your, yeah, your weight great, even? I wouldn't be a great man for the diet now, I have to say. My diet wouldn't be wouldn't be the greatest in the world. But uh, just try to keep the portions down. Try not to buy my dip for chocolate, man. I can't stop eating Sweet bars. tooth. Uh, I guess it's just... Uh, that was my weakness now because I wouldn't... Like not drinking for six months wouldn't be a problem for me. Well, six months maybe, but like not 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 drinking for a prolonged period of time, I wouldn't miss it at all. Like you know, like some lads, oh, I can't wait for beer. I'm like, oh yeah, me too. Couldn't give a show you a beer, like you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, once once um once I live like so, I was giving up that wouldn't like a lot of lads suffer with weight for that. That was never a problem for me. Do I do we just like I remember. There was getting close to the race season, maybe middle of February or something. And I said to my wife, I said, I'm at the weigh myself again. I'm exactly the same way I was two fucking months ago, before Christmas or around Christmas time. And I said, I've done so much training since then, so much this. So how the hell have I not lost weight? Uh, it's because you're eating 17 fucking packets of biscuits a day mate. I think that's, that's your problem. All right, Jen, so I laid I, off. I, I'm no dietitian, yeah, but... I laid off the biscuits then for... A while and started eating a bit better, and lo and behold, the weight started falling off then overnight, like so. Shocker. Yeah, I know. And would you have never a... thought eating ten packets of digestives a week is <laughs> fun? And would you have a race weight? Do you kind of way? Yeah, it's probably like I for the Easter weekend I was probably down to about seventy five kgs, and I thought this is great now, but I felt like shy all weekend, and I put it down to the cold, but then I was starving all the time as well. And the week after that race. I was literally eating the pizza every night, and then the following week I felt great again. I said, "All right, so You're full of energy." Try to yeah. keep it 70, 77 is probably the perfect way. But usually, when I'm not training, it's usually about eighty-two is what it goes up to. So yeah, but I'm not. Like I said, I tend to. I don't really, don't really monitor it that much. I just I weighed myself the morning to Ross just to see what it was, and it was like seventy-six point nine. But then you're eating so much and drinking so much during the week, you. I'd say we all put on two or three kgs during the week just from force feeding. Yeah. Are constantly, every morning you're going in for breakfast, forcing another bowl of porridge into you. You don't want the scrambled eggs and toast coming well, you, just, you just need it for the energy. 
like I was you'd put a spoon of porridge into your mouth and it could be a minute later before you swallow it like you're just yeah, yeah. forcing yourself to do it and it's like that every morning it's pain the whole but ah well it's only for eight days like, so. <laughs> and are you lurrying the gels into you when you're on the bike yeah or? I wouldn't be a great man for the gels now I, I do you would have a good you, you, you have no you have to have them like you know you're screwed because if you bunk you're, that's you gone so I'm at, I have heard like 10 fig rolls stuffed into my arse or my back pocket like 5 or 6 gels as well I might take 3 gels in a really long race and then the fig rolls then just lowering the water into you then as well like so it's a uh, yeah, you have to remember, like, sometimes I did forget. I said, I don't feel thirsty, I don't feel hungry. And well, then before you know it, it you've gone too far. So you have to just keep milling it into you, like, whether you want it or not. So. And is the onus on you to kind of monitor that? or have Yeah, you got- usually my, my rule of thumb is if I see another lad taking a gel and I haven't had one in half an hour, I'll just take one as well. Like, you know, right. Yeah, so usually you look down and say, right, after 30k, just have your first one. And you look down and you've done 60k, oh shit. So you better get two into it, like, you know. So. <laughs> Yeah, I I did forget like I forget to do it a lot now to be honest, but it's um I don't think that that was <laughs> I think not eating enough definitely wasn't my problem in here just raw so, so yeah yeah so yeah that wasn't that wasn't the issue at all. And uh, what I was going to say, can you see yourself getting into something else if you can't be like I don't know the there must have been a com- there must be a competitive streak in you to get to that level in the first place. Yeah, there's just not... a competitive streak, but like I I uh, I think. There was a competitive streak until it got to this level, and then it was very frustrating for a while because it was so hard to do anything except get dropped, and then you kind of lose it. But then you eventually just uh, get the f- okay. You eventually approach the race in a different way. Just enjoy it today, like you know, and just stay in the bunch. And maybe if something, if an opportunity presents itself, try and take it. If you're trying to get into a break, just take it. Just see what happens. And then, like, you don't be too disappointed then. Like, as long as you do something in a race, you don't just sit at the back for the whole day and go home happy as Larry. Yeah, like, be so like, that, 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 that was the way for a while. But then, eventually, like I said, like, if you're one week you're going into a race hoping to win it, the next week you're going into a race the same distance, but your key goal is to finish it. Like, it takes a bit of getting used to them. Like, the competitive edge has to go away, and you have to... Not go away, but I think you have to just your the perspective changes. Like what you what you want, your expectations have to lower a little bit. But then the more you do, they start building up again. Now, so it's uh, the competitive edge is there, but I don't think it defines. Like I think I like some lads if they get to this level, they race, they don't get any results, and then they just ah fuck, this isn't for me anymore. Like you know, and then they wait a year or two, and then you can get back down the level and start again. They're winning again. They get up to the level. Oh. Yeah, I never so, really thought of it like that. And so could, you, could, you like, yourself, could you see yourself looking to podium at, in like the, the category below you or whatever way it works? Oh yeah, you'd hope, but you can't get into that category below you if you're like it's a it's an ordeal to get into it. Like if, it to, to go down, so. yeah, you can't go down mid season. You'd have to wait till you're like if I wanted to move down to A two now, for example, I'd have to wait until wait until this season's up and then the licenses for next year are being issued, and I'd have to write to Cycle in Ireland and say, listen. My wife had a baby, wasn't able to train all winter. Please give me the two license. I swear I'm shy. And I didn't even realize you needed a license to race. Oh yeah, you have to buy a license. So everyone, like I, everyone, you have a license based on what category you're in. Yeah, and then, like when I'm applying for my license, I have to get an A1. If I want an A2, I have to, like I said, plead my case to the grading officer in Cycling Ireland, and he'll, yeah, yeah. he'll determine then based on what he knows about me and what he doesn't or what he, what he can find out better. and do you get a unique number then that you use in all races yeah yeah so I'm number 31 for example this year now so I just have 
31 is my number comes in the post you have that pinned onto the back of the jersey then every week but yeah. for, for all your races <laughs> yeah except stage race stage race are different because you'll have a unique like the Ross had a different number like for the Ross number it was the same every day but it was a special Ross number then the other weekends you're just using your, your, your own numbers yeah, so you have to look after them for the year yourself right okay and how long are the races again during Ross like how long every, every Ross stage is about 150k I'd say and what, like time wise how long does that take us uh, depending if like I know there's not been smart but like a hilly race in Wicklow or Cork was that could take four and a half hours uh, flat race like in Drawed at that loan, for example, taking just yeah, your talk took like forty six seven k an hour, so just just over three hours I say to do the hundred fifty k there. So it's uh, I know it's a, it seems a smart thing, but depends on whether it's flat or hilly. Flat race, like on a Sunday, a flat race you're probably doing forty two three k an hour. Ross flat race is forty six seven k an hour. So it's whatever that works out with then time wise, like you know you're not really. I never really concern yourself too much with how long it took, you know, just, just looking at the miles, counting them down, 10 to go, 5 to go, 3 to go, <laughs> 2 to go, thank fuck, 1 to go, please, just get it over. And can you explain to me this, that you, you lost me a bit because you said at, at one point there that, you know, d- depending on the stage and depending on the time of the race, you could be, you know, chatting to the lad beside you. Yeah, okay, so what happens is, like, uh, let's say this year you had a really strong Swiss team and the stage one, a Swiss guy, one of their riders won the stage and he finished 11 seconds ahead of the second man. So therefore, he wore the yellow jersey going into stage two. He was the race leader. And then he kept it all. He was he had a really strong team behind him. So he he's the race leader. If like, Let's say a lad 10 seconds behind him puts in a big attack in the race, okay? He'll have to follow him or get his team to chase him down so he doesn't so he finishes all he wants to do is finish in the same time as the lads behind him every week and he's grand but if a lad uh, goes up like, let's say I went up the road I, I put in a big attack and got two or three lads with me and we you go hell for leather yeah, 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 yeah we got up the road so we were like he looked at me and he says I know that Quinn lad is savage rider but I don't see him I don't see him being a huge threat to my yellow jersey so I won't bother <laughs> following him and I, there's no like he'll know from looking at the numbers in the group, that there's no one in there that's a threat to his jersey. So the Swiss lad, Swiss team might let, like there might be 10 lads up the road, for example, in a break, and there could be three minutes up the road. But there's no one in that group that's a threat to him, his yellow jersey. Like there's only some lads like me, some other lads looking for a stage win. Sorry, but me, if somebody goes, so I'm in the yellow jersey, I, I'm number one spot, and a couple of lads go flying past me, hell for leather. Yeah. I'm looking at them and I'm saying to myself, those lads aren't going to be able to keep that up to the finish line, is it? I yeah, well, I those lads, those or? lads, like everyone in that group can afford to finish five minutes ahead of me and I still wear the yellow jersey tomorrow because they're, they finished so far behind me yesterday. So then he doesn't care. If he finishes five minutes behind them lads, he doesn't care. But he knows his team is strong enough that when it gets to the lad, like the Swiss team, they'll ride at the front then and you get the break as three minutes ahead, four minutes ahead and he's happy enough because there's no one in there to threat to him. And then, like, at the last... 20 or 30 game might go to his team alright bring them back now so they'll go they'll ride uber hard at the front and everyone will have to chase them so then they'll catch the break right and then the finish line and everyone gets the same time so he's happy and so it's a it's a so team when, effort yeah, as well yeah, so when, so when when you're asking about the speed when that break is up the road everyone in the everyone in the peloton everyone in the bunch is happy to just let them lads up the road because like there might be several te- several teams represented in that bunch so no one's going to chase them so then we're all just sitting there like the onus is no one's 
there, there's nothing to be gained by anyone for chasing the break at that point yes. because everyone everyone is happy once the yellow jersey and the other top riders decide that it's okay for the break to be away because there's no one in it that's a threat to them then they just leave it go and they're not go- no one's going to ride that hard no one's no one's interested in chasing them so then it just drops down really slowly and everyone's taking a breather like oh thank god and you're up the front yapping because but then obviously if the break goes out to seven minutes you go alright shit I can't really afford to let it go down so then they'll then the pace will ramp up drastically and it'll bring it back down to two or three minutes and then you'll catch them because A they can't ride that pace forever B the chasing peloton is much stronger than they, than they are like you know, so you'll catch them so that's why it slows down right and on the you see it in the pro in the Tour de France as well like you know they let every day like the race will start and the event, a break will form there'll be six or seven lads up the road like there'll be and the times when the TV they're 11 minutes up the road and Team Sky are in the, in the sitting in the peloton they don't give a shit because there's not one person up there that they care about they don't care if Froome finishes 20 minutes behind anyone up in the group because it's, it's no concern of theirs like they're, they just need to make sure that let's say the lad who's 10 seconds behind them the lad who's in second place overall is not up there and then they're screwed because that's how it works so. yeah so they're, they're only concerned about him they're not concerned about a lad like me and how do the teams work like is it do you aggregate your times or do you all have to fit across the same time oh yeah or? well like it's in, there's a team prize as well like so there's I think it's, they take the top three riders from each team and take add their times together and then that's how they calculate that so sorry your your team's time is the top three riders top out three of the five on, top three out of five yeah okay but you're all kind of you're all doing it individually as well as yeah yeah team. everyone's like like if you're if you're looking to go into a race looking to get something over like looking for a result of some sort then you might like some even the amateur teams county teams will try and work as a team try and do something like you know if there's a, if a good sprinter they might try and give one of their lads a lead out like you see in the pro tour but um in general, for us, most of our like we we weren't strong enough to to uh, to really ride as a team. You know, to be, uh, m- most of our like uh, like I said before, our ambition was just to get through the race unscathed and to finish it. Like you know, yeah, of course. Whereas, like if um if we were if we had to work as a team, we would. But it's it's at our level, it's it's all of us, each man for themselves, kind of trying to survive. You know, everyone's riding their own race, so it's I know you're wearing the same jersey, but you're more concerned about yourself than the other team members. Yeah, of course, yeah. As bad as that sounds, yeah. <laughs> so you're tipping along depending on, uh, I suppose, where the yellow jersey is. They're dictating... They dictate the, the, the pace, pace of the race, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, it's up to his team then to dictate it as well. So they rode at the front for the whole week. Then when they got to Scaries, when you come into Scaries on the last day, you do three laps of a kind of circuit around Scaries. And the last lap, across the at the bell, there's like 14 kilometres to go. They... Uh, some lad attacked the other jersey up the hill and they didn't go with him and he lost the other jersey by a second after having it, after holding it for the whole week. No way. Yeah, your man, well, I think he's, he might have started the day 17 seconds down on him and he finished 18 seconds ahead of him on the day and won the stage. Yeah. Won by the, the second. Won, won, the, won the race overall by a second. Yeah. So it was, it was gas because your man, the Swiss were just so strong all week and they just did all the race and your man just snuck it from them at the end. Like, you know. <laughs> they just became complacent, was it? Real hair and I think it was just nah, like you see, he would have been getting attacks from all over the place all day that day. Like it would have been everyone going like, it's, it's, like. it's the last time, so he had yeah. the other, so everyone was attacking him. Like one team would attack him and they'd chase him down and okay, it's grand and another team would attack and they'd have to chase him down. And then eventually like in the fifth or sixth goal, they just weren't strong enough to, to chase him anymore. So Right. That was it. So presumably there was a bit of a a chase happening when you uh, got yourself into a bit of a Twitter storm. 
we can't we can't talk about the Ross without you explaining <laughs> what happened there. <laughs> yeah, that was actually last year. Now what happened there was um uh, it's gas because like it's all anyone talked about for a while or all I all I could think about not not all anyone talked about, that's far from the truth, but it was um so when the break, as I said there, when the break goes up the road, okay, when three or four riders get away from the peloton and they have a gap in the road, they're obviously trying to go for the win. So in these situations, what happens is a car can, um, like a, let's say, let's say I I attack and I'm up the road, I have two minute gap on everyone else. My car can has to drive up then to service me and overtake the yeah, peloton. Yeah, so he has to so. overtake the peloton, go by it all, and then so he's behind me in case I need it and often. Yeah, and uh, that's just the way it is, and that's fine. But like there was, let's say it wasn't even the width of this room we're in here now. We're on a real shitty road. I'd say. Judging by where we were that day, I'd say it was either Mayo or Sligo or somewhere, okay? And it was early enough in the stage. And a lad, um, there's a break up the road. And like, like, usually the break up the road, thank God, let's just let them away so we can slow it down a bit here. The, the, like the road is like literally this wide. We're on the limit already. We're just, I think we're either just cresting a hill or coming close to it or something. And like I was struggling badly for to stay with the bunch. And I was trying to hold my position. But I was on the very right of the peloton. The cars were beeping the horn, beeping the horn to get by you. But I'm saying, like, mate, you're going to... In my head, I'm just thinking, you're going to have to wait. And he's there fucking beeping it. And then the man's shouting, get out of the fucking way, get out of the way. And I'm like... Anyway, listen, we won't... I, it all happened so quickly that... We, who said what is... Uh, but he was... We were both... I was shouting to him, like, I can't fucking move, I can't move, just... Blah, 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 blah. He kept beeping, beeping, beeping. I said, stop beeping your fucking horn. Like I said, if I, because like I was up here, like I was halfway up the peloton. If I had to, if I wanted to tuck in, I would have had to come back. And then if I knew it, I'm at the back. I said, I've worked so hard to get this position. I'm not yeah, you're not just giving a look. Yeah. And even though like, you, you probably should get out of the way, to be honest. Yeah, but, but the road, yeah. he's not even in the fucking yeah. race. So to be honest, if, if, I don't know why the commissar let him up at that time anyway, because he was, uh, it was the road, like I said, it wasn't even as wide as this and there's 200 riders on it or 170 odd riders on it. Anyway, he eventually got over. He called me, I said some things I shouldn't have. He said some things he definitely shouldn't have. And eventually he drove off. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't laugh, it's bad, but when I got back, that, I ended up having an alright day that day, I got in, it was into Bundoran, I think, and um, so I had my, uh, finished the race, had a bit of food, went to the hotel, and it's usually only around this time, you'd get your phone, like you'd get your bag back, the bag was in the hotel room, took out the phone, and there was like a load of messages, and I said, this is even, this is a bit odd, like you know, and what happened was, your man driving the car, Said, I just got called an English cunt today by rider one two two in <laughs> in unpost Ross and uh, <laughs> ratted you out to hash, Twitter. Hashtag racist. Now, <laughs> yes. Now this man Brilliant is this, this isn't like me tweeting this. This is now he's not exactly uh, Bradley Wiggins, but he's relatively famous at his level. He's his brother is a. Uh, his brother rides for Team Sky. This like, is the lad driving the car. Yeah, his brother. He's only. I, I found out like the next day or later that day. He's only like twenty two or three. But he, um, yeah, his brother rides for Team Sky. He's a pretty like a big enough coach in the UK. So he's like maybe two thousand followers on Twitter. For right, example, right. And uh, someone wrote back straight away. 
Oh, that would be James Quinn from At St. Tiernan's Cycling Club. <laughs> and, then, and then we had a lad doing the PR for us and he texted me, James, I know you're probably busy and tired and all that, but just, just so you know, there's something going on here. I says, oh, no. And uh, I did it to Justin then. Justin was our manager last year. And I said, Justin, uh, this has happened. He was just saying, right, let's start out. So like, most teams would be staying in the town. We just ha- so I said, let's walk up and down the road to the hotels, or drive up and down the road. So we drove up the road a couple of times. Didn't see his car in here. His car would be very easy to spot, given because like the team he was on is like winning the race and every big team. You got to uh, puncture his tires, eh? You can. Oh, I was going to go up and <laughs> I was going to go up and have a chat with him, like you know. And uh, anyway, we couldn't find where he's parked. I says, listen, I have his his number here is on his website. Like he is like his website. So I, I rang him and there's no answer. So I text him and I said, "I am Ryder one two two. Give me a give me a shout if you can." And then he was waiting there and like meanwhile every fucking Tom Dick and Harry, who had no imp- interest in this in any way, was tweeting, "Oh, that's disgraceful. Uh, I can't believe that." Hashtag like everyone's saying racist and he goes, <laughs> "You should have told him you're like he turns your man is from the Isle of Man actually, so he's not technically English, but he's a." Uh, that was a big funny thing as well. Oh, I'm from the Isle of Man, and uh, I, I'm I'm a uh, uh, welcome to Ireland. I'm really sorry that some races like to treat you this way. Or blah, blah, blah. I was just oh, fucking come on. <laughs> anyway, your man rang me, and uh, eventually he said, "Hey, it's Tim." So I was chatting to him. I said, "Listen, mate, I'm Ryder One Two Two. I'd hoped to apologize. I'd hoped to get to you before this happened, or." I'd hope I'd hope to get you before you opened the can of worms. Cause I was thinking about all race that I was meant to say to you afterwards. Like you know, and to be honest, a lot of things. I've had to go up to lads after many races and say, "Listen, shouldn't have said what I said." Because like, in the heat of the moment, people say a lot of things. People say it to me as well. And if they come up, listen, James. I know I shouldn't have. I said, "Don't, don't mention lads. Like it's what happens on the road, stays road kind of thing." Obviously, yeah, yeah. But I was explaining to him. I said, "Listen, I'm an amateur." I don't really know what's going on in this. I pretty kind of dumb, dumbed it down a little bit. I said, this is my first time doing it. I'm not really aware of the etiquette and all that. And I don't know what's going on. I was really stressed out at that moment. And I you know, just kept beeping. I was like, what's going on? Like, I didn't I didn't really, I didn't even know there was a break up the road. I said, what's going on? And then he said like, ah, yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. To be honest, he like the managers would have went to a meeting after the race and uh, he got a fine for dangerous driving for that moment, okay? Hilarious. So he goes, uh, the commissar hands him like a 200 Swiss, all the fines are in Swiss francs. So he hands him a 200 Swiss franc fine. And he goes, but ride a 122, call me an English cunt. What are you going to do about him? And the commissar goes, nothing. And so he got, he said, I was just so so livid then that I just said I'd, I'd tweet it so everyone knew. Right. I said, I said, all right, that's. I said, you're putting me in an awful position. <laughs> you English good. <laughs> I said, you're, you're, you're putting me in an awful position here. Like, you know, I said, uh, blah, blah, blah. I said, ah, listen, don't worry about it, mate. It's done now. You've apologised and I accept your apology. So, listen, I said, listen, best of luck for the rest of the race. Uh, all right, see you later. Any chance you'd pull down the tweet, you know? Ah, no, mate, don't worry about it. The tweet's up there. The tweet's, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll clear it. I'll, I'll put another one out now saying you've apologised. I said, yeah, that's grand, but will you delete the fucking other tweet, will you? And then he kind of said, "No." I said, no. "Then I, I was conscious of the fact that he'd just say, oh, you're only apologising, so I'll delete it.' So I just let let it be, and tweet stayed up. But he put out another one. Then oh, calm down, everyone, calm down. I've just spoken to the writer and the club, and uh, 
he's he's fully apologised so all is good and uh, then people like wouldn't have seen that and they kept on responding to the other one all week <laughs> right? and I was like this is the worst fucking thing ever but then Justo goes listen James he is English and he was being a cunt so, <laughs> so fair enough can't, and being English isn't a race so yeah I know that's, that's, that's what the, racist that's what like I said technically um, technically it's xenophobia so <laughs> but anyway that was but the all night then I felt shy and then there's these two lads who are actually riding the Ross last year they have a they're um, a coaching company but they also do like a show you know and they're kind of they're good crack like you know they, uh, they'll they talk about just what's going on in cycling and add a bit of colour to it like just just two lads kind of like ourselves here just having a chat except we were both mad into cycling they're yeah. coached they have a big following as well they brought it up that night in their podcast as well because I remember Darren was down for breakfast the next morning feeling like about two inches tall is everyone looking at me everyone in this room fucking thinks I'm a racist everyone thinks I'm an absolute racist bastard and uh, that was kind of a and then the fourth that was going into the fourth day it was the hardest day so you're already worrying about this shit and then you have the big hard day in front of you but oh like I just wanted the fucking ground to open me up or open up and swallow me up anyway I went down to the <laughs> I went down to this you have to sign on every morning so I went, just went down to the sign on I didn't want to talk to anybody everyone was saying oh Jesus and that fuck off down to the sign on here and I just, when I got there I just had this overwhelming feeling that something was going to be there. And lo and behold, I go to sign on and there someone has wrote Dublin cunt under, <laughs> under my name. <laughs> so I just snapped the picture of anywhere. I was like, oh my God. And then someone comes to you. By the way, I know you're a mead cunt. You're not a Dublin cunt. So that was it. <laughs> and then, uh, like I've, I didn't just, I said, oh God, this is like the worst thing ever. And I don't know why it took it so far. Like, like it's not like, Oh, you're called a race on Twitter, but you're like, who gives a shit, really? Like, you know, but I just took it very per- personally. I suppose it's, I was probably entitled to take it personally, but like, I know it's, you shouldn't say it, but if you had heard what he said to me now, it was no better. So, craggy island, sheep shagging wanker, and all this sort of stuff. Like, and I said, all right, you fuck you, English cunt. And he called you a fucking oh, I called me Ever- like, Evan. Oh. Yeah, Evan was going back and forth at that, and he was giving more than as good as he got. And when the road cleared, he was still abusing me instead of just driving on. So, um, Anyway, that's 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 how I went down. But then someone else rode up to me later in the race that day and just give me a little elbow, you Dublin cunt. I said, you don't... And he was only messing. Said, yeah. And that really broke the ice of me. I said, like, all right, yeah. Relax. I said, right. you know what happened? Yeah, yeah, I heard what happened. Yeah, don't worry about it. Like, I said, like, it's great that the fucking pros come over here every year trying to bully the, the amateurs thinking they're great lads. So it's fine. It's, it's everyone... All of all the county riders think it's hilarious that someone fucking stood up to them and all this and someone just didn't take their shit. Yeah. So then I was saying to another lad that night, I said, Oh, it's a Dublin Cone thing. He said, Listen, the fact that Dublin Cone's written thing, if you go to, if you go down tomorrow morning and there's nothing written there, then you know it's blown over. Yeah. So on down stage five, looked at the thing, James Quinn, nothing underneath it. Huh? I guess that's that so. But then for like every every uh, every time you talk to someone afterwards and like uh and what's it like to be a racist yeah yeah Fuck and off. have you committed to racism full time yeah I actually did <laughs> subsequently committed to about there three months ago I committed full time now so I'm a card carrying racist now thank yeah, you yeah, I yeah. got me license and everything so I'm I'm good to go so just uh, no I'm not <laughs> but yeah that was that was a bit of crack last year there was nothing there was no controversy at all this year now, so it was uh, oh, more the fit yeah I know we were worried about uh <laughs> Worried race about race war. Yeah, the, yeah, race gate. There was um, there was a uh, 
See, with sponsors and all that to kind of, we got a sponsor on last year to give us a few bob for to do the Ross because it's, it's it's expensive to put a team on the road. I hope it wasn't an English company. No, thankfully it wasn't. <laughs> there, but uh, and like I kind of, it only dawned to me later, much later that night. Like our mechanic last year was English, but he was a good friend of it. I never even. It was only yeah, like, you're never entered your head yeah, it was because only, you're not a fucking racist. It was like. only it was only like ten o'clock that night. We were just finishing dinner, hanging around. I was there, good, and the penny dropped. Said Lawrence. I can't believe it. You are an English cunt. <laughs> and like, and I, I can't believe I didn't even think of that. But he was like, he didn't give a shit. Like, so it was, uh, it was good. It was good crack. But like the whole thing, like racing, everyone just, it's the same every time anyone says anything, isn't it? Like these days. It's just outrage culture. Everyone, everyone had an opinion straight away. And it didn't yeah. matter that I'd apologise. They, they, weren't, they weren't interested in that. They just, everyone lying enough to express how outraged they were by this fucking thing that hadn't a clue what was going around. But it's just, like it's the outrage culture. It's a hobby. Yeah, it's a hobby. It just it is. It's a it's a hobby for people. Yeah, and it's it's grand when you're on the receiving end of it, or when you're not on the receiving end of it. Then you're looking at it, silly. How the fuck is that? Are you that take to not know that what racism is like? You know, and it's just uh, I know. I heard you talking about racism before, and you're saying that like everyone is probably a little bit racist, and you're probably right because it's it's very hard to look at a well, really, person of color and not not have it in your head that they're a person of color, and then you're thinking. God, does does the fact that I that I noticed that or the fact that that resonated me does that make me racist? No, it doesn't. It's just a it fucking, it's just a thought. But like the people out there who just assume that that is that does make you racist. And that's I don't know, man. The world is a funny place now, isn't it? Because yeah, everyone it's, has an opinion. And everyone has a keyboard. Now I love being on Twitter. I love all this. I do like social media, but if you ever go to the comments section, like you know, like if someone does a tweet and you can see there's like six thousand comments underneath it, you can be guaranteed that five and a half thousand of them are just absolute abuse for no reason only that you're a sad little fucker in your parents basement like nothing else ah, to look, the, the, the comment section on Twitter is it's where the intellect goes <laughs> know, to yeah, die it's, like, it's, it's worse like you know it's, it's, uh, they've, they've already died and they're going there for something else like, just to be stamped into the ground fully I think that's the, I'd often wonder though is it has Twitter and social media they've hardly created that or was that presumably that was always yeah, there good, and it's just shone a light know, on it like. yeah it's, I'm sure everyone I'm sure there was dickheads if you go back a thousand years you had dickheads of course there, right? yeah yeah they, they just, just didn't, didn't have the ability to hammer it into a stone or something like that to probably give up like you know hashtag what? It, was a, it was a bad time to have a, to be a, a, an outraged culture yeah yeah, yeah. No, 40 Twitter, characters yeah. oh it's <laughs> ridiculous yeah, yeah, Jesus my chisel's blunt I'll finish it tomorrow like, no, no one ever read it Digging, yeah. it, digging it up that's probably what the stuff in Newgrange is now someone all the spirals what do they mean someone calling someone else something else yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually went down to Newgrange there because I'm off work now for a while and I said I'm going to do a few of these things that I never did before I was in Newgrange before like in school term yeah, maybe the late 80s early 90s I can just about remember but man it's dead it's a uh, it's an hour like it takes uh, I just such a anyway slight slight tangent I suppose it was good crack Newgrange and I'm going to do Kilmainham Jail or something next now getting because uh, to be honest when I was listening to Anthony Murphy is that his name the yeah yeah Mythical Ireland, Ireland yeah. he was talking about Newgrange said you know what Newgrange is on our fucking back door and I couldn't even tell you how to find it like you know so yeah. I had to um, said it was like like Evan this podcast drinking Newgrange holidays everything is for the last six months is after the Ross I'll do that so yeah now, course, now, yeah, I, yeah. now I am I'm just taking off all these things I said I'd do after the Ross so it's a bit more time in my hands but yeah Newgrange it's good because 
his podcast again, like a few of them before I really got into this off the lead. Uh, like I was, I'd, um, I, I guess, like I said at the time, Ivor was in school with me, so I heard Ivor was on the podcast. So I wonder what he's up to now, blah, blah, blah. I haven't seen him this long time, but uh, so I listened to Ivor and it's this is daily, and then I listened to Anthony Murphy, and then slowly but surely I got into them all, like, and I've listened to every single hour you've ever put out, but so it's going well, but that was. That's just what made me think of Newgrange there when I saw the off the lead cup. I just saw of Anthony Murphy. Yeah, my my uh, branded merchandise. Oh yeah, yeah, little brother. Yeah, yeah, free for the first uh, fifty thousand followers on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, first fifty thousand abusers get a free cup. <laughs> I got my first complaint there not so long ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joy Boot texted me and said, uh, what's the story with the 40th solo podcast? Have you been listening to the solos as well? Of course, yeah. I thought that. That's what I was saying to you at the start. I said, I haven't heard from you in a week. I wonder if you lost interest. Would you assure me you hadn't? So that's why I was was reassured. Where is it? Uh, It's in the fucking pipeline. If you ever fucking do 40 podcasts in 40 days or ever attempt to do something like that, just fucking do it. And for anybody listening, just fucking do oh, it. Yeah, and I should yeah. take my own fucking take advice, own advice and just yeah. fucking do it. Because I've been so well there for I was, so it was going so, long, so well. Yeah. Uh, no, you just you fucking build it up, and we all do. We all do this shit. Like, do you know what I yeah, mean? You build yeah, this course, stuff up yeah. in your head, and you're like, no, no, I'll do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. And then it's because your last month, one, you probably like, there's extra pressure. Like, this has to be the best ever podcast. Stupid. Like, now in fairness, it's not just been that. I'm up to me fucking eyes and work, which is not a bad complaint by any stretch. Took a lad on full time there a couple of weeks ago, so the the business has finally taken off. Oh, thank fuck. Yeah, happy days. But, um, yeah, no, number 40 is, is in the pipeline. Because, man, I'm sitting there at home every day. Oh, refresh, oh, refresh, 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 refresh. Where is this fucker's <laughs> podcast? Jesus Christ. I'm like, so, like, every day, like, it's a... Uh, just go to bed. Damn it, please now tomorrow Please, morning. please. The first thing. Please let me wake up and, and see number 40 I'd like to see there. Blind Boy and number 40 together. I'd be happy. It'd be a good day, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. But yeah, podcast is great, isn't it? it was, uh, but you use the time. Uh, presumably, you listen to your podcast when you're out on the bike, do you? Yeah, you, I, I, see, I commute into work. Well, I used to when I had a job. But uh, <laughs> I commute, that'd be like an hour every day. And then, to be honest, the way my office worked for the last six or eight months of my job, it was literally just me and maybe one or two others that I was working with. The rest are in Poland or India or something. So I right. just started listening to the podcast at work then. So I was motoring through them. Like I said, sometimes... <laughs> sometimes you'd like if you went a day or two you'd have a build up and said shit I have like 50 hours of podcast to listen to this week what am I going to do and then oh yeah I just listened to them all day at work at <laughs> but yeah I listen to it and like you know whatever is like obviously yourself Blind Boy like I'm big into films as well and obviously and so I listen to a load of movie podcasts and then I'd listen to like Second Captains and other sport guys that, yeah, uh, yeah. off the ball as well like, so I'm mad for football soccer most sports except pretty much guy and rugby I'd listen to anything about them all so like usually it's just fine enough like Monday morning you're talking about the weekends Premier League action you don't have to watch a match anymore because you can listen to it all you can, the, the podcast. You can find out exactly what happened in every single game from the fucking lads who did watch them all week you don't have to you don't have to commit any time you don't have to read any articles anymore it's great isn't it podcasting I remember um Shane O'Brien was always on about podcasts 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 and he's like nah shite fucking shit <laughs> waste time blah 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 and then uh, I was actually in Hollis uh, three whatever three or four three years ago maybe let's, let's just say three years ago and um, one of the lads like it was it was two couples I suppose ourselves and another couple and your man goes one day oh you listen to there on the plane and I said oh, I just listen to whatever you two or whatever I listened to I don't know what it was but 
I go, well, what, what do, why are you listening to these days? Oh, I was listening to the podcast, Second Captains. I go, what the fuck is this podcast show you about? Like, you know? <laughs> and I go, how did you just sit there and listen to a podcast? Like, he said, you never listen to one, no. I, t- I said, I won't even know how to get one. And then he said, I'll show you. Ah, I don't care. Not interesting. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck, mate. Good luck. No, no. Ah, 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 ah. And then, I don't know what happened. I think um, a few months later, again, like we're real Celtic Tiger kids now. We were on holidays again a few months later. And uh, at this stage, my wife had got into podcasts. And she's there listening to, sniggering away, like we're, let's say we're on a train journey, and she's there laughing away at what she's hearing. And I said, what are you fucking listening to? Oh, it's so funny. And she goes, I just went into this podcast, I think it was Planet Money or something. I said, ah, podcast, <laughs> give me a <laughs> break. again. But then I said, I humor you, and I listened to one of these episodes that you were recommending. And so I listened to that, and like about eight seconds later, like I had about 7,000 podcast subscribers and I was just getting overwhelmed by the amount of them and it was, I was dead, you know. So the only thing is, and Shane says the same, like your music listen to, see, it would have always been a fiend for new music and just any music and always listen to music, but that's, that goes by the wayside, man. Like your headphones time is now solely podcasts, like just to keep up and you hardly ever get to listen to music anymore. Well, there's a halfway point there for you if I can think of the name of it. Music oh, podcast, is it? Yeah, but it's Song Exploder. Is that the oh, one? Yeah. Are you familiar with that? No, I've I've heard a few of them, yeah, but the missus, she listens to loads of them, Song Exploder in the car all the time, yeah. I haven't listened to it in yeah, ages now, actually. Uh, usually by the time she explains it to me, I said, there's no point listening to me. You've told me everything about it. Yeah, I just think, now I get to the stage where I have someone recommends you a good podcast. Oh, mate, I don't know now. Yeah, it's a big a, commitment putting another have, one in the favourite, like. I'm struggling to get through the ones I have now. Go on, what is it? They tell me, right? Go on, go on, go on. <laughs> See, like you were talking about Blind Boy. Uh, other lads were telling me about Blind Boy. And I just saw him popping up. Uh, and I associate rubber band uh, with the Honda Civic. Uh, it's hilarious, but I hate that type of humor. The horse inside crash, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, t- I associate that with, wrongly, with Pat Short and this sort of yes. over the top fucking culty humor. And I, just, uh, I can't stand that type of humour it just drives me mad so I always associate and I said Grant I listened to this fuckers podcast just to humour a friend of mine Mike and I said Grant I listened to it and then his accent straight away I said is this I was right it is Pat Shore. it is a lad <laughs> this stupid Gambian accent from the co- country he says no no just just listen to what he said and then I thought this is actually deadly yeah and then the, remember the one he was talking about McGregor tweeting him yes that was the one that I said wow that was that was class. And then now, it doesn't matter what he's talking about, I think it's brilliant. I love Rogan as well, but some of his guests just have no interest, no appeal to me whatsoever. But if I get to the stage where I have nothing up next and he's after putting out 75,000 hours in the yeah, last two yeah. years. <laughs> it is no, but again, like it's like anything else. It doesn't really matter who he's talking to because usually you'll find something interesting in it at all. Like he had Kevin Smith on last week, I think, and they were talking about... Uh, Who's Kevin Smith? He's like, remember like uh, Jay and Silent Bob? Remember them films, like you know? And, oh, uh, vaguely, yeah. yeah. It, he was he was the writer of them, and he had right. he was he played the part of Silent Bob, I think, as well. But he was like, I thought he was going to talk about films, great, but I don't think they mentioned films at all. And uh, I said, when are they going to get to the movies? And then he started talking about your man had a heart attack or something. He was like literally at the pearly gates and all that. And he recovered. So ah, I was deadly. But then, <laughs> blind boy, a few weeks ago, he said something like uh, that. He was talking, one of his hot takes was about dogs and that there's no such thing as a dog. Not, you know, it's a human creation, kind of. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
they all descended from the wolves and it's all crossbreeding yeah. and all this and so it's all every dog you have is a human creation more so than anything else and he said the Irish wolfhound was a uh, like the current Irish wolfhound or the Irish wolfhound let's say they they became extinct thousands of years ago yeah and the current one is a version of that wolfhound that was bred based on memory and based on legend of the other one so yeah. and I'm thinking wow that is amazing so then I was just sitting, sitting with, that <laughs> with Neve, and I says, did you know about this dog? And she was saying, that is the biggest load of bullshit I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. And I said, no, he was, why would he, he was, he was doing his research. He said, this is something he's researched, he's come across in his research recently. And I said, uh, we'll look it up there now. And man, I went to page 400 in Google, like, you know, I searched it in, and it was next page, next page, next. There wasn't one thing that, uh, remotely even hinted at this and he said fuck maybe maybe it is bullshit and then Rogan was talking about Kevin Smith last week as well yeah it's just like pretty much the exact same now they didn't mention the Irish Wolfhound but they mentioned the all dogs and it was the exact same I said fuck Joe Rogan is saying it I'm blind by saying it it's a fact and that's good enough for me all we need next is for Fran McKeown to say it and it's sold like, you know, it's, it's going into the gospel fact fact but yeah it's, uh, it's good crack now it's, it's good to have something to listen to that's oh, brilliant though because uh, to, especially you in the van every morning like you know you'd be perfect for you is it you just stick one in the ears and oh big go, time oh, yeah like I, radio on the way I, I listen to my my commute for want of a better term is my deliveries because yeah. where I work is only five minutes down the road yeah. but I'm delivering to Dublin now what four times a week so that's a two hours a di- two hours four times a week do you know what I mean so okay. there's fucking 16 hours away, 16 hours straight away like. brilliant 16 free hours get in yeah, well, it's it's the only time that I have because outside of that, I'm just flat out all yeah, the time yeah, okay. between the, the four year old, the baby, yourself, yeah. the business, and you know, you said yeah, yourself earlier on, yeah, life, yeah, like, yeah. you know, it catches up with us all. You um, still squeeze a f- good 20 hours a week, though, solid 20 hours if you had to, like, you know, just podcasting, pure podcasting. But it's, but it's great, though, because you can be a lot more selective. Yeah, it's yeah. Gone are the days when you put on the t- telly and kind of, you know, oh. you, you watch whatever's yeah, on. Just what happened again, like, uh, go home, but on RTE there. Yeah. But uh, Tony DeAngelis put on RTE, I said. <laughs> Doesn't matter what's on it. If it was on RTE, it was being washed and that was the end of it. Like, you know? Yeah, because it came up with a... Who would I have on? Oshin Farry. He said that he remembers coming home and something... Be, he wanted to watch something at 8 o'clock and he came come home and he'd stick on the telly at 6. Yeah. So that meant, like, he sat down at 6 to watch whatever was coming <laughs> yeah, on at 8. Doesn't matter what was on in the meantime. He was Exactly, he was fucking watching it. And but we were saying, like, uh, in... Saturday and Sunday morning tell you like you'd wake up and you could put on channel four at eight o'clock and it'd be shit you'd want to watch all the way through it. But now I don't know why what people young people watch now because it's, it's all on Netflix, it's all on YouTube, it's all on, like it's uh, like you said selective, but you probably miss out a bit and just, because it's selective, you don't stumble upon anything that maybe that you might have you know, I know you see there's a there's so a you're danger. Not, yeah, you're you're not necessarily guaranteed you're missing out but but the, no, the danger, I think, is that you get caught in an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You only you, listen you, to you only see watch. stuff that you're recommended based on other stuff you like. like you know, I remember reading a, this thing in the Guardian or something last year, one of them long reads, and they were talking about like how the information you get fed is only based on what you like. And she said, "Here's the proof." For he said, "Like, whatever, I don't know what to know." Many people voted for Brexit. Let's say ten million people voted for breakfast or breakfast. Brexit. <laughs> Ten million people voted to have breakfast every morning. <laughs> so therefore, we're all having breakfast. Yeah, 10 million people voted for bre- Brexit. And like 200 million people voted for Donald Trump. Yeah, I've never once seen any of these people because I'm caught in my own bubble. Like, I'm voting my 
no for Brexit and, and voting for Hillary. Yeah. All, I'm on a million social media feeds. I'm looking at the news every day and I've never seen one person who voted. So who are these people that are voting for Trump? Yeah. Who are these people that are voting for Brexit? And it's because all your information is so condensed based on all your likes and everything that you're not going to you're not going to see the other side ever so that's but the, the danger of that is that the other as you call them there yeah. the, it, that's what they become they become yeah exactly yeah, they they're completely the marginalised yeah, yeah. completely like, yeah. and it's you know dodgy fuckers do you yeah yeah exactly so now like who that's a good question because like, even in my very limited interest in bull campaigns now whoever the president of America is or whoever the Brexit is maybe I should take more of an interest I'm just, just not into it and uh but yeah, I've never once. Oh, this Brexit is a great idea. All I ever see is everyone saying how shit it is. Like, you know, I said, fair enough. There's obviously, but the Trump as well. I never see anyone who supports Trump. Like, whereas in reality, there's quite a lot of them. Well, I mean, he got he got elected. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. So the way. Unless uh, unless there was some something dodgy going on, which definitely isn't the case. Oh, no, absolutely not. For the FBI, who are <laughs> clearly listening to this podcast now, on a daily basis or a three weekly basis now, Fran, I need to sort that out. Oh what? Yeah, it's, said, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, I fucking do. <laughs> yeah. I fucking do. But um, yeah, look, no. But you were you said to me before we started recording. You know, you were kind of not. I was going to say worried. You know, obviously you weren't worried about it, but you I were was you were thinking. You know, is, is he doing this or is he not doing this? Whatever. I absolutely am, and I do it because I was afraid. If I, could. I sent you the text or the email last week. I said I'm going to get him back now, and he says, uh, "Yeah, about that, mate. Something I thought maybe something had gone wrong or something had." You had to try it. I'm glad to hear you didn't like it. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's full steam ahead. It's just a matter of fucking yeah, yeah. ironing workout and getting a bit of a routine in place and starting to uh, take my own advice and stop preaching to people about shit that I'm not doing myself. Yeah, I'm sure we all do that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> Has to be done. We all do that. Well, brother, we just hit the two hour mark. Uh, thanks a million for coming on. No bother. And. Uh, if somebody is in, where is your cycling club? Give your cycling club a, a plug. Oh, yeah, if you're yeah. looking for not that you're looking for new members, but you know, if I know, it's just saying here in cycling club. So, like last year, I did a blog, um, like a report about the uh, the Ross, I guess. So, like, what's the blog called? No, I, I just called the Ross or something. So it's on the website there, but it was it got a good response. So I'm trying to write this year's one, but the weather's been so good, man, that I could be bothered sitting in the fucking room typing up this thing. So I'm you'll write it outside, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, then you have to bring the laptop downstairs. It's just an absolute pain. I'm just getting lazy. I, I wrote a bit of it, and then I just said, right, I could definitely come back this tomorrow. So I give myself a target now. Of maybe next weekend I'll try and have it done by then. So. And you said that you the one you did for last year is on the website. I'm sorry, on what website? Yeah, Saintiernancc.com. Yeah, so if you look up Saintiernanc Cycling Club. It's it's on there. And um, yeah, anyone who ever wants to know any more about the Ross and what it takes to put a team in, you can let me know because. Uh, Maybe not the expert, but I know what it's, I know what, it's, what has to go into the organisation and all that, and just getting five lads around the country safely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like the amount, of, like we only scratch barely scratch the surface. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like probably like a, to be honest for the uninitiated and like it's it mightn't be for everyone to discuss it, but it's uh, is I just can't understand that it's like one of the biggest like sporting events in the country. Like our only one of the only international tournaments that's held here. Every like I know we have rugby and all this sort of these sort of tournaments this is like an international professional UCI approved race every year in the country for eight days and it's of an unbelievably high standard and yet it passes through towns and people don't even know what's going on like you know so it's, sure, it's, I'm guilty uh, yeah, of myself ex- ex- complaining ex- about why is the road closed or yeah, what the yeah, fuck ex- is going exactly, on like. yeah but like it's uh, I think if you had like an international whatever soccer tournament 
okay, that's fair enough. It's on a different level. If you had like an international, I don't know, like it's, I hear it's our fourth biggest sport or something, participation wise, cycling at the moment in Ireland. And there's a big international event taking place every year and no one passes any remarks. So. You see, it's, it's, pardon me, it's part and parcel of what we were talking about there two minutes ago. It's the the loop that you're in, and that's like the, partly the the reason I started this podcast was to give everyday people a window into like wh- what is the Ross? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. So it's good. That's why I learned a load of shit. Listen to like any any of the boys that come on, like you know. I wouldn't say there's one thing about air traffic control I don't know now. Have to to <laughs> so I'll tick that box as well. Now. I could probably do his job tomorrow. But, uh, just you know, I'm serious. Yeah, this this it's good. Uh, I like the fact because like when Ivor come on as I said, and then you had a f- I said, oh God, I'd never go on that because I've never gone down that. I've never been in the jungle. So Ivor wins the podcast. Like, so I have to do something else. But then you have other lads on just talking normal shit. And it's, that's also interesting too. Because it's just nice to hear a chat without like necessarily having to have saved the world or something to go on to. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm struggling to get people on who just, just to have a conversation. What most people's aversion is, what they'll say is, oh no, you know, I haven't competed in Ross or I haven't done Ayahuasca yeah, in the jungle so or the, I haven't done something worth talking about. That would have turned me off as well when I heard Ivor said, right, okay, well, I guess... Can't top that kind I guess of that's the, that's kind of the level he's at now. So he's interested in lads who are into that sort of thing. So that's where it's going. I find it... Like, I had the first I'd never heard of ayahuasca before I ever came out. I didn't know the first fucking thing about it, and like I just find it like I'd never in a billion years go go near it. But it's a uh, I just find I find it very interesting. Ivor's story I just thought it was fascinating. Yeah, brilliant. And, and what about psychedelics? Not ayahuasca, say. I, I wouldn't. I uh, I'm control freak, man. The possibility of losing any sort of sense of control would break me heart. Like you know, it's even. And would you, would you get bananas drunk? Did you get blind drunk uh, at yeah, all? I, I used to I used to drink a good bit. Um, uh, I, know, I was never a huge drinker, to be honest. Like, I used to get hammered like on Saturday night, but that would be it then for the week. Nowadays, I have five points and I can't get out of bed the next day. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, like, again, another thing after us, oh, I can't wait till after us. I'm going to drink so much beer. I am going to drink so many points. I told him I had a can, like a 330 <laughs> mil, a 330 mil can. I yeah, drank yeah. that, so this is great. Cracked open another one. And then like, uh, um, Nico's one other can. Ah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Just about an hour after opening, she opened, there's half of still left. Yeah, yeah, flat, of course. And I can't drink, I'm too fucked like it off. <laughs> after that, like, it's a hard week, but yeah. No, I'm not, I wasn't, I wouldn't have been a huge drink, but yeah, the psychedelics thing was, uh, screw like, I'd love to be able to experience what it's like without having to do it, <laughs> if you get me, you know. Yeah, for, yeah, of course. For 30 seconds, you know, and then that's it, but nah, it's, it's uh, I'm sure it's, uh, I'm sure it's daily for some people, but it's just, it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be your wouldn't cup, be cup of tea. Cha, yeah, as I say. But it's, it's funny though, because I think, a lot of people, again, it, it, I've spoken about this idea of being in different loops and that, and, like either being let's say the psychedelics loop but I think a lot of people are out of the drug loop yeah yeah so they, they hear about a drug that isn't you know coffee tobacco or alcohol yeah. and everything else is yeah is I was I was, and I, I, was in, I was in that uh, camp myself many years like when, when Pat's lads smoking hash and all that I I just I never touched it because I was always kind of uh, oh it's drugs well it's drilled into you yeah, like drugs, drugs are bad that's like. it so if it took drugs I'd parents would murder me this sort yeah, of thing and you'd be homeless in six yeah, months yeah and then blah 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 and then 
And then I kind of got to the stage where I went to college and all that, and that was less of a thing. It just became my thing that I just didn't want to do. I said, I've got this far, I just couldn't be bothered. It just, just mm. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't appeal to me, doesn't appeal to me. And then it just kind of, you, I guess you fall into a different ritual then where you're never really surrounded, you're never really around it anymore. Like, you know, you don't, you're not involved in it, you're not, you're not there. Like, I've seen, but then last year actually, like I remember, I think I said this to you before the podcast, but when we were on the stag in Budapest five years ago, you and Padder had, had were smoking hash or smoking joints or something, and I just said, "Yes, fucking mad bastards! You are crazy bastards! Like I can't believe it, doing drugs in a foreign country! Wow!" And I, you were just like, "What are you fucking talking about?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I, I just said, "I never did," and you asked me why, and I just said. God, yeah, the reason I didn't do it in school is because it was drugs are bad. Then the reason I didn't do it in college was I just kind of, I felt I'd missed the boat and I wasn't arsed anymore, so I've got to this point now, why bother? But then last year we went to Amsterdam. Uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, he announced his, uh, his European tour and I said, Grant, right, when is, he, when is Dublin, when is Dublin, when is Dublin? The fucker, he's not playing Dublin. So we were massive fans of his, so we said, let's go. So who is he, sorry? Nick Cave and the Bad Seas, yeah. What know that at all? He's just, a, he's just an Australian singer, yeah. Right, he's, cool. Yeah, he's, you'd know a couple of songs you heard, I'm sure. But he, um, like he always plays in Ireland, just for some reason didn't. So we just looked at the lists of cities and said, right, Amsterdam is on a Friday night. Let's just go there. Let's make a weekend of it. And then uh, Neve was going, will we have a bit of oh, wacky tobacco when we go there? <laughs> and I said, jeez, I don't know. What if it goes wrong? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if it goes horribly <laughs> Horribly wrong, and I'm just then like we booked. We had to fly book for six months, so every so often we revisit the subjects. I said, right off, I go to um, off I go. First night, right, let's do it tonight. Therefore, we've no the flight's not for three days. We definitely won't miss the flight tomorrow. <laughs> right, this, this, I swear to God, this yeah, is what, yeah, no, this is what I was saying. And. Uh, then I said, I, actually, I don't want to smoke it. I don't want to smoke it. Right, yeah, Neve, Neve didn't want to smoke it either, so we'll get some of those muffins. Oh, God, you'll do edibles instead of smoking them. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. And then we went to, uh, we got there late enough at night because our flight was delayed or something. We were strolled around the town and, yeah, and we were both, like, really, it was, like, really nervous about Yeah, yeah. We weren't even talking about it. It was, like, this thing that we knew we were going to do, but we didn't yeah, want Antsy, to. like. Yeah. So we're walking past all these cool-looking bars or cafes, coffee shops, and then he goes, what about this one? No. What about that one? No. Well, why not? So I think we need to get one that's close to the hotel. <laughs> Just in case something goes wrong, you know. So at least you'd be close to the hotel then. It was grand. So back to the hotel we go, walk 10 metres to the right, go to the one there. And it's a real kip, you know, there's nothing doing in it. So I said, give me two of those muffins, please, my good man. Gives me two of the muffins. So where can I eat them? Oh, upstairs, there, so. Upstairs. Took a bite over. Nothing happened, I was like. Of course, yeah. Wow. So then fucking two of us gobbled him up. We're waiting there about about an hour later, your man came up, right? You have to uh, close him, mate. This is what, an hour later? About an hour later, we're right. closing. We said, that was the biggest load of bollocks I ever did in my life. Anyway, ah, well, sure. We'll, we'll smoke it tomorrow, maybe. And uh, walk back to the hotel, go to bed. It's lying in the bed. And next minute, I said, I think I can feel it. I mean, just imagine I can feel something here. <laughs> Something, I don't know, I, I couldn't even describe it. And then the two of us started laughing at something. I said, nah, this is bullshit. I, I'm just laughing because I think that this I associate, I, I associate yeah, laughing sure. with taking, with eating one of these fucking things. But then uh, 
I just said to her, do you ever see Point Break, the movie, you know, the surfing film? Yeah, yeah. But I said to her, if Johnny Utah is undercover, why is he using, why does he use his real name? And like, we laughed for about two hours. And then I just, I fell asleep. And I was just imagining a DJ was fucking playing music at the bottom of the bed and it was all yellow lights in the room. And I said, this isn't, this isn't what the hash is meant to be like. What is going on here? And eventually I fell asleep anyway. I woke up the next morning, still feeling a bit funny. And I said, I was trying to ask him to go for breakfast somewhere. And I couldn't fucking string two words. I said, what? But eventually, like 10 minutes later, to get outside yeah. the war off. But then I got to the third, I said, oh, I can't do it tomorrow night. We're going to the concert. We'll smoke on Sunday. So again, we walked around all day Sunday and when it got dark, right now is the time. So I went on the triple fight, like best fucking coffee shop for a novice in uh, Amsterdam. So I recommend this one. I couldn't tell you the name of it, but walked down to it anyway. Because we walked into the walked into the uh, the coffee shop, took a seat, and like had a menu in my hand. I was like, you go up. No, no, you go up. I'm not going up. No, you go up. Come on, you're better. Talk. You're better. And then we argued that for about half an hour. I said, right, I'll fucking go up. So I says, uh, all right, mate. Hey, how's the story? And I said, listen, I live with you. I've never smoked before in my life. Well, then you have to get out. He said, this is only for, this is only for experienced smokers only, experienced dope heads only. I go, are you serious? Yeah, serious. Go, go. And I'm like, okay. He says, no, I'm only kidding. What do you want? <laughs> so I said, all right. God, man, I was nervous enough about coming up here in the first place. Uh, I said, give me something that you give a beginner. He said, what do you mean? Like, I mean, and I was like, completely as I said, just give me fucking anything at all. Give me a quick. Here's your money. Go. And back down to it. And he goes, uh, smoke it. Uh, take two drags out of it and then put it out and wait 20 minutes. Sound advice. So two of us took two drags out of each. You, you bought a pre-roll joint. Yeah, yeah. And Eve went, no, 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 no. He said, just take two. He said, two. He's right, grand. So we're, uh, how long has it gone? Three minutes, sorry. Do you feel that? No, no, me neither. Me neither. I feel a bit, I'm just trying to imagine that I was feeling anyway. Eventually we smoked that one and we went and got a Snickers that I thought was the nicest thing I'd ever tasted in my life. So I said, <laughs> yeah. That's definitely do you do that's, that, all right. that's definitely something that's out there. And then we went and got another one later on. I said, let's go for a walk. I just thought everyone had, even the Brazzers in the red light district, we went for a loop of that and I thought everyone had a real rotten Longford accent or something. I thought everyone was Irish. I said, this isn't what it's meant to be like at all. But uh, there was like a load of lads arguing outside the pub and I said, typical, the only fucking people in the whole city that are fighting are the Irish knackers coming over. And she says, they're not even speaking English. <laughs> and in my head, they were complete, like, uh, and I, even the brassers were saying, like, uh, here, come on in, boss, come on in, come on in, I'll do anything you want, I'll do it." She goes, what are you talking about? Like, and I said, God, this is so weird. And then, like, I said, this is... That's not what it's meant to be like at all. Twenty minutes later, then it was gone. She was like, get another one. Fuck that. I'm done. That's me retired now. Like, <laughs> I did it. I did it. I can say I did it. And no one can, no one can accuse you of not trying it before. So that was that was my one and only uh, marijuana, as, as the coaches say, as the as the as the, as the, as, the say. as the guards say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Eid. So that's such a. I could just imagine Pat Short now calling it marijuana. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was good. So I, I thought uh, I'm sure it's deadly for some. It just doesn't suit me. I don't think so. 
if everyone has an Irish accent, that are two drives <laughs> joined to something. It's not. It's not mixed. That's, that's a powerful choice. It's, it's not mixing well with my uh, with my own regular but, psyche. But you see, your your, your story is so. Um, so kind of typical though yeah do you know, this, not knowing and going yeah, in yeah, and yeah. wondering and going ooh and you're almost like a child like you're like ooh should we yeah, should I don't we? remember being like that with the drink though the first time I had a drink I said yeah but that's because you were probably fucking 12 probably or a lot younger yeah do you know what I mean? wasn't, wasn't as hung up and didn't have 20 years of wondering behind me at that time do you know? yeah yeah of course but yeah class thanks for having me on oh listen an absolute pleasure brother yeah. absolute yeah, pleasure yeah, thanks a million for coming on again appreciate it and good luck with the rest of it and the comeback I'm looking forward to number 40 number 40's coming it's coming good good stuff <laughs> cheers here. again brother no good luck no bother.